0: Coke boom,
1: boom. Coke boom, boom. Coke is Coke Hey, this is Professional Wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit
0: the marks. Which is weird, because you're listening to hitting the marks.
1: It is Friday, October 26, 2018, and you are tuned into season two, episode 42 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. And presented by Hami Media. Also now broadcasting for your earhole enjoyment at the last word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking week eight of the NFL, the World Series, Roman Reigns, blood money, de-evolution, and a ton more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is podcast by the fans for the fans bringing you all the news It is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com my name is jargo i'll be your host for the day but please join me in welcoming in my tag team partner the og of the huckleberry club the hall to my nash huckleberry number one rbb rick welcome back to your show
2: it's me it's me it's that honor the beat of the v rick vickery here and jargo what a week it has been you know around the entire world professional wrestling what a week it has been and maybe even more so what a show this is gonna be as you said we have a, ne- a new tag team partner uh new members of the huckleberry club if you will i think we're becoming a faction now we've got so many people i, I was gonna say you know that's just yeah you know, I- i'm actually i am beyond excited uh to be working with uh jamie greer and his crew over at the last word on prowrestling.com. Hey, you know, uh, last word on ProWrestling.com is, is one of my absolute favorite news sources. Hey, I got the, uh, the utmost respect for Jamie and his crew over there, man. And, and I know this. I know that he is a longtime fan of ours, a fan of the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. This is going to be uh, an awesome, an awesome partnership.
1: Jamie has been one of our biggest supporters since very, very early on when we started this show. It is an absolute honor to be on the last word on pro wrestling. Hell they get shout outs on Lucha Underground. We're moving up the ladder here, Huckleberry. Good stuff. Hey, blowing up worldwide, worldwide. Well, before uh, before we jump into the big pro wrestling news, because obviously there is a lot of that to talk about this week. Uh, we've been doing the NFL, we've been doing the World Series thing. Let's go ahead, let's get that out of the way. Let's go ahead, let's stick with the gimmick. Oh, Huckleberry, we're here again. We're here again. Thursday night football is upon us as we record this right now. And boy, do we have a barn burner this week. I say that with a lot of sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. The Houston Texans travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Rick, I don't normally talk odds on this show or over under, that kind of stuff. But this matchup is it's number one. These two teams just are not that good. And then we have the Houston Texans favored plus seven over Miami. But here's what really
2: got me. The over under is 45 points. Yeah, some strange numbers for an NFL game. But I want to go back to something you just said there. You're saying that either one of these teams is very good. I'm, I'm going to throw some numbers at up here. You know, the Texans, they opened up the season 0-3. Not a good start. Not a way to get your 18-19 uh, your campaign going here. But they lost. They lost those first those first three games by a combined fourteen points. Okay.
1: Well, and the other thing too is we, we have to take into consideration this is basically their quarterback's rookie year.
2: Well, I see you throw those things here, but you know since opening up zero and three, they're in. They're relatively in all those games combined. Fourteen out of three games they lose. That they lose by. Uh, since then, they've turned it around. They've won four in a row, uh, and in those four wins. They've won by a combined 20 points. You look at this team from the start of the season to where they are now, the difference is they have figured out how to finish and close these games. Uh, they have found their groove. This is a This is a good football team. They are on the move up here. That is an
1: art. I think there absolutely is something to that. You have to change the culture, and you have to learn how to win. We're seeing the Lakers are kind of going through that right now. They finally got their first win last night. Now one and three with King James. I mean, you you have to learn how to win, and especially when you have a young team like Houston does. It's not always the easiest thing to learn.
2: Well, I say you know. On the flip side of that, you look at you look at the Finns. They opened up 3-0. And one and three and zero, and it all went to hell. Well, one in three since then. And, you you know, week to week, it is so difficult to know what kind of team you're going to get here. The Dolphins seem to it'd be that Jekyll and Hyde story. I mean, when they're good, they look really good. But when they're bad, oh, they're, they are. They're bad as bad can be. And, and you really can't be scared. You don't know which team is going to show up week to week here. Uh, that's where this number really scares me especially in NFL, you, you start looking at a, a whole touchdown and 45 combined points on the board. Those are some numbers for alarm. I don't know if you touch those things. Absolutely not. Where where are you at with Ryan Tannehill? Are
1: you are, are you ready to move on from Ryan Tannehill if you're Miami at this point?
2: But you know what else is there? What else is in the cover? This seems this is a continuing story year in and year out down in Miami. They cannot find anyone to kind of just click at that quarterback position.
1: They should have went after Teddy Bridgewater, man. I said that at the beginning of the year. They should have went after Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's from down there in Southern Florida. He would have been absolutely embraced by that fan base, and he's not going to be any worse than Ryan Tannehill has been for a very, very long period of time. Of course, you're, you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I probably shouldn't be asking you about you know when it's time to move on from quarterbacks because I was done with Andy Dalton about four years
2: ago. Well, I was one of those when he was on the board during the draft. uh, I sat there and you can ask those that were around me at the time. uh, I was not happy with the pick at all when I knew he was available and they were going to go in that direction. You know, since then, uh, it's just I've come to just accepting he is going to be there. That's kind of the bangle style. It's it's built within their system. They find someone that fits into their niche that is actually is tolerable towards their franchise. And it works for them. It's the same with Marvin Lewis. You know, it's like year in, year out, week to week, you, you hear Bengals fans calling for his head, calling for him to be fired. Yeah, I always throw it out there. He fits their mold. He works well with one of the worst owners in all professional sports. He knows how to play their system. You know, and on top of that, what other decent coach is going to want to come take a job like that, knowing that they're working for one of the worst ownership teams? you know, no families in all professional sports.
1: I look forward to when we get to do the FQI, which is fan quality index for those of you tuning in for the first time. I look forward to the FQI for Miami. Because, I mean, man, you want to talk about a fickle fan base. Even when LeBron was down there and they were winning championships, they wouldn't show up until the third quarter. That's just kind of how Miami is. Let's, uh, let's talk about another game that I know you've got to be intrigued by here, Huckleberry. And that is the Cleveland Browns going into Pittsburgh to take on
2: the Steelers. This is a big game for both of these teams. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, as you had mentioned, I am, I am a Bengals fan. I was born and raised in Southern Ohio. But for those that are maybe listening for the first time, they'll they'll kind of pick up as they continue on this journey with us that I'm going to be, you know, kind of broadcasting from all over Ohio. It's where, you know, my job kind of takes me. I'm on the road quite a bit, Uh, but my home base now is in Northern Ohio. I'm kind of nestled in now with Browns nation. I'm getting to know this Cleveland fan base. I feel their, their pains on, on the daily. So I I feel I can speak to what's going on here. And I got to tell you, Hugh Jackson, he's on the hot seat once again. You think and he th- that is the talk here, you know, it's from the actually from the media outlets to the fans, you know, he is on he is in the hot seat once again. But, you know, kind of the consensus is everyone's kind of agreeing if if he could pull off a win here, especially on the road in Pittsburgh, this would be the victory that earns him another season, uh, another chance to right this ship here in Cleveland.
1: Well, I mean, when I look at the Cleveland Browns this year, yeah, their record's not that good, but boy, they have been in a lot of those games that they have lost. I mean, last week, of course, losing in overtime. How many, how many overtime games have they played well, this year, got, Huckleberry?
2: We've got eight games on the season so far, correct? Yeah, well, we, seven in. Okay. They have been involved in, yeah, seven games. We're heading into week eight. I'm sorry. They've already been involved in four overtime games. I, Cle- don't sleep on Cleveland.
1: Again, they've got to change the culture. They've got to learn how to win. I think now that since this is our debut episode at lastwordonprowrestling.com, I'm going to ask you this question because this is the burning question that everybody has about Ohio. What is you people's obsession with the color orange? It doesn't matter if it's the Browns or the Bengals, orange is the base color. What is
2: Ohio's obsession with orange? Well, no, this this goes back to – you look at the creation of the Browns. They were named for their creator, which was Mr. Brown, Mr. Paul Brown. Uh, He was the one that that led that team to so many great seasons uh, when it was just the NFL, you know, pre-Super Bowl era and all that. Well, then, uh, who was – uh, he, his name is this kid Modell Modell came in and you know, they needed, they needed help financially. They needed to expand it. They needed to grow to keep, you know, the greatness that they were so used to in Cleveland when it came to football, they needed his support. So he came in and he bought into the team. Well, he slowly, he kind of took over and pushed Paul Brown out and ran him out of town. Okay. So Paul Brown went to Cincinnati and started the Cincinnati Bengals. So, each of those franchises were were kind of built on the same beliefs, uh, you know, the same systems and all that. So, it was just Brown taking the the color schemes he was familiar with, trying to recreate what he had, you know, a little bit what he had here in Cleveland and Southern Ohio. That's where you have the link between those teams. Interesting. See, we're here to educate as well on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. and, And the Bengals Browns, both, both, both teams, both fan bases despise the Steelers who are going to be opposing the Browns here. You got to look Steelers, man. After a rocky start for the season, you know, they, they were up down you know, eight. They got their wins, but people were wondering, were they starting to show their age? Were, were they still gelling as a team? Hey, all these weeks later, the Steelers find themselves sitting atop the AFC North.
1: Is that any big surprise? I mean, I think we all kind of expected the Steelers to win that division. Of course, uh, I, I'm a big fan. I'm on the baltimore ravens bandwagon this year I'm, I'm really liking baltimore and what they're doing and I'm now the patriots are starting to figure out what the patriots are because that's what the patriots do you can't beat them after halloween good god they actually they're i think they're ahead of schedule this year new england's looking like a machine speaking of an of a machine drew Brees and the new orleans saints traveling up to minnesota Shout out to 8-Track Black. We were going to try to get him on this show, but we decided to go a a little bit different direction here. But Rick, I heard this stat the other day, and this is just insane to me. We've been talking so much here in the last couple of weeks about how offense has taken over this game. Drew Brees, 77.2% completion rate. That's insane. He was 22 of 30 last week. Drew Brees is on fire. And if he keeps this up, he's going to be the MVP of the league. Minnesota has a really, really good defense. I think this is going to be a really good game. This could be a prelude to the NFC Championship.
2: Well, you're talking about Brees' uh, potential to be, to be the MVP at the end of this year, but you know it's like the perfect storm for him. You know he he sets that amazing record just a few weeks ago. Uh, he is playing out of his mind right now. It's just going to be a great feel good story for him. And the way they're looking. They're one of the favorites right now oh, in the NFC. Be.
1: Especially if, if New Orleans somehow manages to pull off home field,
2: look out. Yeah, I'd say, you know, they get that home field. They're they're going to be dangerous. Of course, you're gonna have to see uh the Rams just completely fall apart. Uh, it looks like they're you know, that is theirs for the taking, but hey, one loss. One loss, uh, New Orleans. Uh nothing to dismiss. I'm gonna tell you on the other side though, Minnesota. Hey, they've got back on track after that. Embarrassing. Shellacking they took at the hands of the Buffalo Bills back in week three. Defense, defense is clicking. Man, I don't know. There's just something about this team that they just haven't they just haven't sold me that they're a legit contender right now. I
1: can tell you what it is. His name is Kurt Cousins. That's it. I just—I've never bought Kirk Cousins as an elite NFL quarterback, and I haven't seen anything in watching basically every Minnesota game this year to change my mind. Just don't buy the guy.
2: I I know we're talking—we were talking Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. I I want to throw at you, Jargo. If it it regards the
1: Packers this week, they're going to get their asses whipped, which is why it's not on the run.
2: No, no. The the reason I'm bringing this up because they're all kind of Midwest towns. And I was having a well let's say I was having a conversation with a Pittsburgh native about uh about which city, Cleveland or Pittsburgh, has the better looking women. Oh, okay. I'm and, intrigued. And, and after a little back and forth, uh, we came to an agreement and we both generally felt that they uh that they all fall under that Midwest uh corn fed category. So Jargo, what I want to know. You're a Midwest guy. You're, you're right there. You're right in the middle of the country. I, I, you know, I'm in the heart, Ohio, the heart of it all. But you're right there in the center of all the action. But what is your take? I mean, are you down with the uh, with the Midwest girls? Because you know they they are built a little bit different. Or would you prefer uh, the coastal or Southern style?
1: I'm a Southern California guy, man. I'm with Scorpio Sky and Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. I see you most beautiful women in in the world reside number one at my apartment, but number two in Southern California. I mean, how, how do you go wrong with bikinis on a beach all freaking day? You know,
2: you see, no, man. You see, I, I like a girl. You, well, you know me and our, our current listeners and the new ones are going to get to know this. You know, I like a girl with a little substance. You know. I like a girl that you know, takes care of everybody that spends quite a bit of time in the jet. I, I like a, a defined physique, but Hey, I love my Midwest girls, you know, the ones that get out there. They're not afraid to get a little dirty. Uh, They look good summer, fall, and winter. They know how to pull it off. They know how to eat right. You know, it's not about the latest diet fads or, you know, uh, you're vegan or you're just doing salads like that. No, they're ready to throw down with some 22-ounce ribeyes, anything off the grill, all the sides. Give them the, the mashed potatoes, all the starch in the world, all the grease, all the fat. That's my kind of girl.
1: I will say this, though. If you're looking for a long-term companion, the Midwest is where it's at. You don't want any of those coastal people. They're just awful. They're just awful. Let's uh, let, let's talk about two teams kind of out there on the West Coast. Rick, I put this one on the run just because I'm fascinated. I think this is the most interesting game of the week when the San Francisco 49ers travel to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Both of these teams are awful.
2: I can't wait to see this game. I was going to say, you know, the, winning this game is like earning is like the bragging rights that, that you're the smartest kid at the Special Olympics.
1: Yeah, this is this is basically, hey, we were the main
2: event on main event. Yeah, th- this is uh, the, the dark match. I don't think this is even qualified like, against Curtin Jerk, but they're not even making the main show. This might just even get blacked out in San Francisco and Arizona.
1: Did you know main event was still a thing? I didn't even realize that show was still around.
2: Uh, it is, uh, you know what? I was aware of that because last time when I was on the road uh, where I was staying at Cincinnati, they only had Hulu, and it is an option on Hulu. I didn't watch it, but I did see it on there.
1: Maybe, maybe that's the, the, the best show for me to watch. Maybe, maybe I'll get to see me some more Tyler Breeze if I watch that show. I'm going with Arizona over strong here. Of course, uh, the 49ers have an Iowa connection. C.J. Beathard, George Kittle. I like Kittle, but there's no way C.J. Beathard is an NFL quarterback. He was barely at a Division I quarterback. Guy's got no business playing in the
2: NFL. What's the saddest thing about this thing for the NFL this year, and like we were talking about the Saints, you know, bidding, hopefully trying to catch a break and grab that home field. Out there, the Rams, they get to play these two terrible teams four times. Yeah. And it's not like Seattle's burning the world down
1: anymore. The Legion of Boom is basically gone. The offensive line is gone. Beast mode is gone. You just you're left with Russell Wilson running around to save his life.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much out there in the NFC West. It is it is the Rams and the land of the misfits. Let's stay in beautiful Southern
1: California. Home of SCU. The World Series is shifting, Huckleberry. Boston leads LA two games to none. Boston defended the monster that is Fenway Park. Are the Dodgers going to get this thing back into being a series, or are we looking at a short series this year?
2: Cool, man. I, I was going to say, you know, L.A. coming into this thing, they are an incredible team.
1: They look outclassed all the way around.
2: Hey, you know what? You said it perfectly, sir. I was trying to think how I wanted to, to word this thing. You just, while you're watching these games, you, you can appreciate L.A. for the season they have, for the talent that they that they have, for the team that they are. But Boston's just on another level right now. It's and and you you could tell just just by watching, just you know how the teams are carrying themselves, how they're handling themselves on the field. This is Boston's Boston series. I think the I think the Dodgers get one out of this thing, Uh, and you know Boston's going to end up taking this thing four one. Hey, wrestling related here, Uh, dude! What a magnificent marketing campaign this could have been for SCU. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I want to see SCU in
1: Boston talking about how it's the worst town that they've ever been in. That's the one the, the episode of being the elite that I I'm just dying for. I can't wait. I might actually, you know, download that one, save it on my hard drive, just to have Frankie Kazarian tear down Boston for two minutes at my beck and call. Cause that seems exactly like uh, my my kind of uh programming right there. Go Yankees.
2: Well, do you think if if like this today if we would have today the scu that we had just six weeks ago two months ago that they would have played towards us when they were just looking to generate as as much massive heat as they possibly could you know especially up there in the northeast where ring of honor uh, frequently runs
1: yeah yeah <laughs> it, it, i love the scu gimmick i'm absolutely loving it uh I- I assume that you saw, as well, SCU now your Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. What did you think about that one? I was a little surprised to see the Briscoes drop those titles. It's good to see SCU walking around with those titles, but my question to you is, there's three members of SCU. There are two Tag Team Championships. Does this mean Scorpio's got to win a singles title before final battle,
2: or he's fired? Well, I think they would just come as the package deal there that they that they all stay together. They're represented as one cohesive unit within SCU. Uh, but you know, I, I dude, I love it. I love those titles on the Briscoes. Those guys have been magnificent this year. Everything that they're doing, it, they're actually one of those acts in wrestling. Those personas that just terrify you, dude. At
1: Starcast. Uh, Carly and I were down in the vendor room and we were talking with Allie and Rosemary from Impact Wrestling and I look up <clears throat> to my left and the Briscoes are standing there and I've turned to Carly and I said we're going the other way
2: <laughs> like no way I ain't even walking past those two dudes. Oh, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, I I was loving what they are doing there. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see SCU get these titles because it shows that Ring of Honor isn't going to just sweep that story under the rug and pretend it never happened now that the fans have started taking to this group. You know, we are going to get some kind of payoff to the promise that their contracts were not going to be renewed at the end of the year. It's going to be interesting to see what direction Ring of Honor Creative goes with this one.
1: You know, it's going to be very interesting. Who are they going to face at final battle for the tag team championships? Because that's going to be a big match. Is that when the Briscoes get their rematch?
2: Very interesting to see. And they could go a number of directions here.
1: Yeah, because they won these things in a triple threat. So... The Briscoes are, are definitely gonna be wanting their rematch for those titles. I would love to see the Briscoes versus SCU at final battle because and then if SCU loses, they're fired. That's that's the story going
2: into the match. Well, I was gonna say, and it seems that the Briscoes would want to be you know, it's it's just in their nature. You know, they're they're killers. And they would want to essentially to end the 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 ring of honor careers of these individuals to kill them off.
1: So we're both going Boston four one over the Dodgers. That makes me very, very sad to say, but man, and watching these two games, Boston just looks so much better than LA. They just look outclassed. And we got in our ring of honor talk because damn, we're good like that.
2: Hey, I was going to say, you know, we, we've got new listeners here. And for those that just worried you know that most podcasts they, you know, they focus in just primarily on WWE. You're not going to get that here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. When we say we cover news from around the world, we cover it from around the world. You know, we talk the Independence, New Japan, Ring of Honor, all spots in between. Uh, you're going to get a little bit of a little bit of everything here with uh, with Jargo and myself on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast.
1: That's what we do.
0: value this is dalton castle and you're listening to hitting the marks oh i get it it's a pun
1: all right huckleberry let's talk about the big pro wrestling news of the week um i'm not even sure necessarily how to uh, approach this thing um obviously the headline roman reigns has leukemia now, I know I have talked with a couple of our fans and they, they've been very disappointed in me for how I have taken this uh, because I'm, I'm not a thoughts and prayers guy. Um, and, and I don't necessarily feel bad because I didn't cause Roman Reigns' cancer and I don't know the cure for cancer, so I, I, there's nothing necessarily for me to feel bad about. But I empathize like crazy with Roman Reigns and, and we hope that not only can he beat this thing, but that he can live a very, very long and plentiful life because leukemia is absolutely nothing to mess around with. Um, But, of course, here on the show, we look at more so the creative side of the business as well as the business side of the business. You got anything that you want to say before we move on and kind of try to figure out where the company goes from
2: here? Well, I say, you know, I I completely get where you're coming from you always hear when something like this or you regularly see this just on social media. Like, I need your prayers or you pray for this individual. You know, what's, what's the old quote there? I I don't know who exactly was the first one to coin it, but I've heard it from Mr. Jim Cornette, you know, who's always, always quick, uh, was a little whip there, but you know, prayers, they're like masturbation. You know, they, they make the person who's praying feel great. They feel wonderful, but they really don't do anything for the person in their thoughts. God bless Jim Cornette. One of the great Cornette things, you know. And hey, you know, I took to Twitter right when this announcement happened. I was over, uh, I was Manning uh, Control Center on Twitter for the uh, the Hameen Media Group. And, and when this when this news dropped, you know, I just tweeted out. Uh, also, you can all follow me on Twitter at the Real RBD. But you know, so now, you know, truly a sad night for uh, for WWE pro wrestling, and fans alike. you got the universal champion, Roman Reigns, opens up about his battle with leukemia and relinquishes his championship. Uh, And, you know, just a simple, hey, we all stand and and support him. We want him to get better. We want him to overcome this, you know, for himself and his family and his loved ones. Uh, But, but, hey, this is professional wrestling. This is the real world. Life goes on. Uh, Business continues. And WWE has to keep rolling here. And keep rolling, they did.
1: They did a hell of a lot of work on Monday Night Raw trying to do some damage control and shuffle some things around as we will be without the big dog for a very elongated period of time, is my understanding. Uh, So here's kind of the scorecard as as they laid things out on Raw. We have Dean Ambrose turning on Seth Rollins, which to me, makes him a heel, although I'm sure Rick is going to tell me that it's just Ambrose being Ambrose. Uh, We have Elias turning babyface, which I don't like at all. We have Braun turning babyface once again, which is probably the most fascinating of all of these decisions. And then we had, I guess, where we'll begin. Uh, Finn Balor defeats Bobby Lashley.
2: Let's hold off on that one. just Just a general statement I got for you here. It just the first three you mentioned there, I want to say I completely agree with all of those. Now we'll we'll, we'll jump into them as you said. We'll dive into them individually here. I agree with the first three. I, I know you're kind of opposed to them. We're gonna we're gonna debate that here. But you are right. This last one, Balor defeating Lashley, this kind of is a head scratcher for me. See now, to me, this told me two things.
1: Uh, number one, they're not as high on Bobby Lashley as they should be. And now I have also heard that Lashley may be working injured.
2: I was uh, going to say, uh, that actually that actually dropped here before we hit record. Uh, this is coming from the Wrestling Observer newsletter. It looks like Lashley has suffer, uh, suffered a separated shoulder. Yeah. And he's been working through it for a while. But, but still... Even if he has that injury there, I don't know why you have a guy like Finn Balor, the size comparison, what Lashley should be, having him lose on a roll-up like this. And, and, then, and then not even getting any heat back. He stands there with this stupid look on his face, and Rush comes in with an even stupider look on his face.
1: Okay, here's what I think this was, all right? They had already announced they were doing Balor versus Lashley. Then they figure out what's going on with Roman Reigns. Shit, we need to protect Finn Balor and get the hell out of this Lashley match. That's So I, you end up with a roll-up finish. I think that's really what it was at its core. We have to protect Balor. You also protect Lashley and it just being a roll-up. I think this is going to be a one-off. I think this program is over and these two guys are going to go their separate ways. But they had already announced, hey, we're doing this match Monday on Raw. So they were kind of handcuffed and it was just a really good reason to get out of it.
2: So you think? So you're you're thinking they just sweep this thing under the rug and move on, kind of like it didn't happen. Yep. Now I was kind. What I kind of took, you know, watching it in real time. I mean, we have got we have got this emotionally charged announcement from Roman Reigns, and you know, everyone's just kind of shocked. They don't really know how to absorb what they just heard from him. That crowd I, was, I was flat, thinking, man. I, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. So. So, in WWE's eyes, they know they've got, even though they don't really see so much value in how they use Balor in the ring, they know he is a darling. They know that there is still a tremendous loyal following for him. Let's send him out there in a spot where most figure he is going to get squashed. And let's give one, let's give one to the fans, let's give one to their favorites and see if we can pump some energy back into this place. That was my initial thought. But the problem is,
1: God cannot get my throat to figure itself out here today. That's awesome. This is exactly when I need to get sick. Um, I think the problem, the problem wasn't Lashley. The problem wasn't Balor. The problem wasn't the match. Okay. So you have the big Roman Reigns announcement, which obviously lets the air out of the room. Okay. Then you come back and you have Finn Balor. Finn Balor does his entrance. Now, if you go back and you watch the entrance, you can see the visual pop. Of the people doing the arm thing as Finn comes out and does his thing. Okay, awesome. We've got the crowd re-energized. Let's go to break. And you're left with Balor standing in the ring for three minutes. So that we can come back and do Lashley. And over the course of that three minutes, the crowd went from, Okay, this sucks, but we have to move on with it. Let's enjoy the show. Okay, here comes Finn. Yeah, we're into the entrance. And what? So then they sit there and listen to
2: Finn's music play on a loop for three and a half minutes? Well, and even, you know, even if Finn was trying to keep the crowd energized... That's a losing you know, battle going the out the out the gate. Well, that's, I agree with you on her chat. You know, three minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but it's an eternity when you're sitting there with dead air. Yeah. You know, you can only do that, you know, do his little entrance pop so often. Yeah. Yeah. Once yeah, he's in know, the ring, important. it's over, you know? <laughs> So you know that that's just bad. That's just know, bad production bad on the TV side. Yeah, that's that's on the production side that they didn't they didn't properly plan that out there to move that break. You know, even if you could have done hit your entrances and then go to a break, maybe even start the match towards the end of that break and come back for us that are viewing at home with the match already you know in progress. That would have worked a little bit more. But you are hey. That's why, yeah, you're the TV man. That is your profession. That's what you know. But to let that that crowd settle back down, and, you know, and even that really cause you know they're talking talking amongst themselves. So they're going right back to what Roman Reigns said. And they all those emotions are getting stirred up again. And it does the match no favors. And you know, talk about doing zero favors for anyone. I, I don't care what the logic was, you now what their thought process was, man, this even if they're going to move forward like this didn't happen, this did zero favors for Bobby Lashley.
1: You know what else I think is doing zero favors for Bobby Lashley at this point is Leo Rush. Uh, This this Leo Rush thing, I understand what they're doing. They're going for the annoying heel gimmick, but there's – It works inside of the arena. It works for the fans inside of the arena as I'm trying to watch it on television and the announcers are trying to not step over the top of Leo rush and Leo rush is just talking intermediately. And then the announcers are bickering with each other over when they can talk and when they can't talk. And then Leo rush starts up again and it's the TV product is awful. I, best case scenario, you hit your mute button.
2: I completely agree with you, Jargo. And it's, you know, what they really should do, if they really want to kind of save what they have with Rush going forward with him, this is a time where you reach out. You reach out to uh, those, those past superstars, those past talents that have been there that know success. This is where you reach out to someone like, uh, like Slick. Yes. To have him come in and work with, with Leo Rush. You know, to have him, you know, teach him how you can do more with just, you know, just your body language. They're not necessarily needing the microphone throughout that entire match.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, At at a certain point, as I was watching Lashley versus Finn Balor, I was hoping that they would send Finn Balor to 205 Live just so he could have a match with Leo Rush and beat him up. Like, that's kind of where I was with this entire thing, because it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Like I said for the live attendance, for those in attendance it absolutely works, but when you have the commentary, oh, it's just it, it's maddening to your earholes. Let's uh where wh- where do you want to go next? I guess we'll play uh uh 1, 2 or 3. You can choose between Ambrose, Elias or Braun. Which one do you want to discuss next?
2: Well, let's, let's let's start with the hot one. The one that's causing you know some controversy, some great debate uh, around the internet amongst wrestling fans here, and that would be the Ambrose turn. And I don't even think it's
1: necessarily the turn so much that is causing the the uproar amongst uh, some select fans. It's the fact that they did this on the same night with everything going on with Roman. I think that's what really kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. And I get it. I understand it. But I also understand the camp that you are in where you say, hey, emotions are running high. This was the perfect time to do it. We've talked before that, if they're going to do this, if they're going to have Ambrose turn on Rollins, you have to do it when nobody is expecting it. And this was
2: absolutely that instance. I would say, you know, I actually I actually, I actually, applaud WWE for having the cojones to, to pull the trigger on such an aggressive maneuver here. You know, pro wrestling is absolutely at its best when it excites real emotion. And Jarko emotions were running all over the place Monday. You know, for, for those in attendance, for those watching at home, I mean, there was a roller coaster of a ride throughout that entire entire program. And, and WWE knew to strike while the fire was hot. And it, it was it was a complete, total, I mean, it was a real shark move. And I applaud them for making the decision to go forward with that thing. You look at that, just look at the arena, the reaction that 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 turn that the turn got I mean it goes back it was like when Brock Lesnar broke the streak when when Nexus showed up on the scene when, when the NWO was formed the people really could not believe what they were witnessing there it, it was incredible it was it was raw emotion that we have not seen from a WWE product in some time it's something that we need more of going forward
1: you know it's it's funny that you say that because as i was watching this My immediate thought was somebody watched TakeOver Chicago because this was very Ciampa and Gargano. That's very much the emotion that I got out of it.
2: That's what I love. Hey, right off the bat, this was a vicious turn. I mean, Dean was taking it to him. He had to. Otherwise, people would have cheered it.
1: I think that's the key. He had to be that aggressive.
2: Otherwise, people would have cheered it. Look at what's going on with Becky and Charlotte. I think I think you're right. Well, I think there is a little bit of a difference here, and you and I have talked. We talked about this off air. We talked about it. Uh, I believe we talked about it Monday night, actually, right after this thing happened. Uh, are you still? Would you, at that time, when we had that that conversation, you were more in favor. You thought that Seth is better cast in the heel role than Dean is. or Are you still of that mindset? Well, I mean. I know there's a, a, a strong
1: contingent of Ambrose fans that saw his work as John Moxley, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that want to see that version of Dean Ambrose in the WWE, but I think you and I are both smart enough to realize you're not going to get that. He can't be that ultra violent inside of a WWE context. So the lunatic character more so becomes the loony character. And I've just I've never I I, I think for Ambrose to go to the place that he needs to go to to be the heel that he needs to be. I'm just afraid they're going to cut his balls off in a WWE context.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm going to have faith in him here a little bit, and I don't think you need to go to the extremes of you know what Mox was in in Combat Zone. I, I think uh, a Dean Ambrose who is more of on the mental side of it, the psycho, where he doesn't need the extremes physically of a psychopath. I think that works, and I think it it's just what Raw needs, and I think it it's what he needs as an individual to rejuvenate you know his path for the rest of his career. And and we both know Rollins is great as a heel but but man, people people want to cheer him and his style in the ring you know it really warrants that, that baby reaction yeah. it's it all those high spots that they're used to that's that's what they really want and and I like this flip too because you know we, we've already seen a lengthy program where Seth was the villain and Dean was the baby. Let's flip those roles and see what kind of dynamic they can create but as you had mentioned, you know, do we have faith with them going forward? Let me ask you this because I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. What is the next step? what What does Dean Ambrose have to do next week to really solidify that, yes, I am the the villain here. you this is why you should hate me. How should he address this situation?
1: Well, I think this is um, well, I think there's there's two schools of thought here. Okay. Uh, School of thought number one would be to look at the course of the booking over the last couple of years and see if we can find any kind of a trend. So the only thing I can really relate Ambrose and Rollins to right now is Sasha and Bayley. So I absolutely expect that next week on Monday Night Raw, they will come out holding hands and smiling in the middle of the ring to defend their tag team championships. Uh, The other school of thought, and I guess personally, I like this one a little bit, Better is when you look at when Rollins turned, and when Rollins turned babyface, they did this whole story arc where Ambrose was very, very hesitant to accept Seth Rollins. Instead, you saw Roman Reigns accepted Seth Rollins, and then Ambrose came along. I think uh, the storyline here has to be: I don't trust you. I've never trusted you. I did this for Roman, and now that Roman is he- isn't here anymore. Fuck you.
2: Uh, seats to me, I-, I like that, but to me, that that leaves the door open just just a little bit, where it almost puts some sympathy on D. Well, you know, me, he's the delusional heel. I mean that that I mean there, the best heel is a heel where there's a certain element of truth into what he's saying. Now, see, I would I would rather him come out and you know kind of put over in a certain way. I, you know, I would let him do it himself because he knows where he knows the dark place he needs to go in his mind to get this character where it be. But on talking points, you know, I would want to hear him talk about you know how maybe he became relaxed when he came to WWE and. And started running with the shield, how, how, you know, in his time away, he was all alone. His even his wife was out on the road. All of his friends, everything that he had known that he had become complacent with in his WWE life, they were continuing on. So he went back to the dark place when where he was at growing up in Norwood, Ohio, where he had to depend on himself and by any means necessary uh, to To reach success. That was that was his motto. Then compare in, you know, that, hey, he's always been, you know, the third wheel. He's always been neglected, looked down upon, where Seth was the chosen one of the authority and everything handed to him. Roman's been given opportunity after opportunity. Where was that? Where was that for Dean Ambrose? And then have him come out and say, you know what? When he came back, when he was on the sideline, he he hatched this scheme. He was going to he was going to systematically destroy the shield, but it wasn't going to be Seth first. His first target was actually going to be Roman and then drop a line in there to really get some heat on himself. His first target was going to be Roman, but thankfully nature took care of that for him. And now he's coming after, after Seth and he is going to claim all the greatness that he, that he deserves in WWE. And people are going to hate that.
1: And people are going to hate that. No, you can't do that. You can't make the Roman thing part of it. Do you want people to cheer Dean Ambrose? Because this is how you get people to not cheer Dean Ambrose. And that's the goal here. Put the heat on Ambrose.
2: And it's not like you're overly like abusing this real-life situation. Oh, I know,
1: man. But you and I both know the snowflakes will cry about it. You know they will. It's as messed up as it may be. Um, an- another and very important aspect of this angle, and you brought her up, is going to be Renee Young. What is Renee Young going to say about what's going on with Dean Ambrose? Because at the beginning of Monday Night Raw this week... Renee Young basically lets the cat out of the bag like we all know, but the casual audience may not know that Renee Young and Dean Ambrose are married. Well, they do now because they addressed it this week at the beginning of Monday Night Raw. And then at the end of Monday Night Raw, Ambrose turns on Rollins and Renee just ducks out, which I thought was a genius idea. She didn't say a word, which I thought was great on behalf of the production team.
2: Uh, I would think, you know, even before this week, she's been dropping subtle hints here and there uh, about their relationship, their marriage and all that. So it wasn't nothing like, you know, that is coming out of left field here. But you're right. There's going to be a lot of casuals in the WWE universe that aren't really aware of that. And I would use this. I would really use this to add fuel to that fire of why you should despise Ambrose. I would have her, you know, kind of act indifferent uh, during commentary and then maybe start into – where she's starting to show concern that her husband is is turning into something you know not the man that she thought she married that he is he's gone to a much darker place that you know that she feels troubled maybe you get to a points where you, even sometimes she's at a loss for words getting choked up and then i think a huge payoff is where you've got ambrose doing something so violent disgusting to either rollins or you know just any one of his opponents any adversary that it, it actually forces Renee to run from the booth in tears, Hmm. Uh, you know, to see somebody that if you, if you're such, you're such a villain, you're such a scumbag that you, that you're pushing your own spouse, you know, to, to the brink of tears to where they're about to mentally break down. I mean, you're, you're a pretty bad SOB then, you know, or a, a, a piece of shit actually.
1: I dig it. I dig it. The biggest thing though is we have to present Ambrose as this vile human being so that he doesn't get cheered. That's going to be priority number 1. Let's uh let's shift and talk about somebody that for some reason they want to have cheered and that is Elias. Um now you brought up a very very valid point about Ambrose and Rollins. and that was about their move sets. Uh, Ambrose as a heel can go in there and just kick and pound on people where Rollins has that move set that people are going to want to cheer. Elias is the exact opposite of that. Uh, people like the Elias shtick. They like the Elias promos. They like walking with Elias. And then the bell rings. And uh, Elias might be in contention with Kevin Owens out. He may be the best headlock master in the business right now. Um, what do you think of them turning Elias babyface? And do you think this is going to work?
2: Well, answer the you know the first part there. The fans want to cheer. You know, he's got an act that people want to buy into. They want to be a part of it. You know, anywhere you go in the WWE universe, the, the people want to be a part of the show. They want to be able to participate. And Elias gives it, you know, gives that to him better than anyone else. You know, arguably on the roster. Well, I I agree with that, but it's the
1: Elias shtick to me almost feels like Andrew Dice Clay. You know, where like Andrew Dice Clay was like this highly offensive comic back in the day and people loved it. Like if Elias is coming out there and not doing the Elias shtick and putting like, I think people actually genuinely enjoy listening
2: to Elias tell them how shitty their hometown is. I think this I think this turn is going to work, but. Only in the short term, I, I don't think there is a long shelf life for it,
1: yeah, no, I feel like this is a very short term like three
2: to four month kind of thing, yeah, and then you you pick a you know a big spot where you turn him back, but I think you you know like we're saying in in the short term that they're still going to play along and buy into this thing uh obviously ripping Corbin everyone's gonna pop for that, no one likes that guy absolutely, but but you know he can he can get over. Rock's done it for a while. You know where you just you rip on the heels and he, there's other ways that you can that you can play in and you know and entice uh, the the audiences in the arena to to join in and sing along and buy into his act. You can you know if you happen to be uh, if you happen to be here in Cleveland and you start ripping on uh, ripping on the Lakers, right, or something like that. You know and hey, and it's. The towns are going to forget him. It's like no one's going to remember, hey, you just ripped on us last week, and now you're here praising us. They're just going to want to buy into this thing. I think it's got. Uh, it's it's going to be a sprint for them. It, it's not a marathon. They're going to have to make the switch back. But right now, they, they their hand's been forced. They had to reshuffle the deck, and they're going with something, an act that they know that the fans are going to be excited about. They're going to want to get behind Elias.
1: So what do you think once the bell rings? Does Elias have what it takes inside the ring to keep those fans engaged and have the fans get behind him for a big comeback?
2: Uh, this is that's we're gonna that's gonna be a little tricky, and I think what they're really gonna need to do here with Elias definitely is less is more. He cannot be one of those babies that you're running out there for matches every week.
1: And I think you, you've you got to be very careful who you put him in the ring with. You're going to have to put him in the ring with heels like Apollo Cruz, heels like Dolph Ziggler, guys who create a lot of movement and basically can just beat up on Elias and then sell their asses off for whatever little comeback he's got.
2: I'd say it's a shame that he is on the shelf right now. But if you're going to turn – Elias Baby, you know, the perfect a- adversary for him would have been Kevin Owens right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. But I guess my other question is, is how does Kevin Owens come back? Because I think it, Kevin Owens could come back and be a top three baby face for you right now.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting where, you know, you know where they're at, though, creative-wise when he's ready to make that return. Uh, pretty major surgery for him, so he's going to be on the shelf for a little while, correct?
1: Yeah, two knee, dual knee replacements, Um, Had a two for one at the surgery store, as Kevin Owens said on Twitter. Uh, But I'm hoping that this was basically they just went in and cleaned some stuff up. We haven't really necessarily heard the severity of this knee injury. And I don't think that it was anything that severe or I don't think they would have done them both at the same time. I'm hoping they just went in and cleaned some stuff up and maybe we get like a surprise rumble entrant out of Kevin Owens
2: that would be perfect. It'd be good to have him back, you know, especially now that that their hand has been forced. Roman has been, you know, forced to the sideline. They definitely could use uh, an all-around tremendous talent like Kevin Owens, and especially someone that you know the fans just gravitate towards. I mean, the guy's got star power.
1: So let's talk about Braun Strowman. Uh, they they have officially canceled the Braun Strowman heel turn, and now Braun Strowman once again is what appears to be at least for now your lead babyface. I think we all expect Braun Strowman to win the championship of the universe at WWE blood money. Um, my question is how long can we ride this Rick? How long can we ride Braun Strowman as universal champion, king of the world champion of the universe before people are going to turn on Braun Strowman? Because, Braun Strowman as a baby face just does not work for me in any way, shape, or form.
2: Well, I, I know it's not working for you, but again, this is a you know, this is a situation where the fans want to cheer him.
1: Oh, I I, I get all that, but how long will the fans want to cheer him for? Because at a seven foot three hundred and fifty pound monster amongst men, it's gonna be real hard to get any kind of sympathy on Braun Strowman.
2: That, that, is, that, is, that is the issue with him, especially in that baby role. We've talked about this, you know, during his last baby run, you know, those big men are traditionally, they're just built for that villainous act where, you know, those babies have to overcome, you know, the mountain, you know, conquer the mountain, con- conquer the beasts there. It's hard for Braun to be the underdog and fight from underneath. Well, and I'll tell you one thing that excites me me about the potential program going forward is though, I can buy into McIntyre handling himself in this thing.
1: But is there anybody else other than Drew that you can buy?
2: I I think at this point, you're going to rely on Drew for a couple months to hold the pace in this program until you can get someone else ready for this thing. Uh, But to speak real quick to how they're going to handle Braun here. During that last face run where people started cheering him, he started getting pretty cheesy. He needs to keep this monster energy rolling even through this face run. If he captures this championship, which in all likelihood he will, he needs to remain focused that he is a monster, that he is there to, you know, to devastate his adversaries and not rely on so much fun and games that we'd seen during that last face run. Uh, You're going to – but you got to think, though. How long can you think? Can Drew can sustain this thing, you know, through the Rumble, and then who actually is, as you said, a viable opponent? Who can they get ready for this thing?
1: Who is your champion of the universe going into WrestleMania? Do you think Braun Strowman will hold it that long?
2: I at this point, I I think he will, and it, but you know there is there's some other. I know we're going to talk a little bit about the you know the championship match coming up hey there's a lot of unknown factors exactly what is going on with Brock Lesnar
1: yeah yeah that's a a definitely an aspect that we'll have to figure out here as well um so looking more so at the long term well I guess both in the short term and the long term um I I wanted to do this today, but we're, I can already tell that we're going to be running very, very long today. Um, next week on the show, I want to do the raw six and the SmackDown six. I want both of us to kind of go through this roster and kind of figure out where things shape up. If we were going to do a superstar shakeup, who would be your raw six and your SmackDown six going back to the, uh, old school version of how Paul Heyman was booking SmackDown because at this point I feel like the next basically now until WrestleMania is an audition for everyone who is going to be the new face of the company Um, and maybe for the first time in about 15 years we can actually have a face of the company that people like as opposed to. Somebody that Vince McMahon hand chooses for us and says, no, this is the guy and we're going to shove him down your throat like he's done with John Cena and Roman Reigns. I feel like there's an opening now for somebody to step up and grab that imaginary brass ring, whether it be a Finn Balor, a Seth Rollins, a Braun Strowman, a Drew McIntyre. I I feel like there's there's a lot of options here.
2: Well, I was going to say, you know, you, you threw out all male competitors. And one of the things when I saw this on the run, you know, I started questioning, is this really possible in 2018 with with the modern directive that we see in the company? I mean, why does it have to be a male superstar? Uh, or, you know, or could we have two of them, you know, a, a female and a male on on equal footing that they're going to rely or a couple, a group of them that they're going to rely to carry this company forward? But, hey, like you said, we're going to carry this topic over the to next week. Jari, you're so much better at this. Why don't you hit everybody up? with how they can get a hold of us and maybe we can get some uh some feedback going into that from, from our uh from our great listeners, some of the great minds out there.
1: If you would like to let us know how would you shake things out, your Raw 6 and your SmackDown 6, contact the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com or on Facebook, Hitting the Marks. Or we will put up a thread in the Hameen Media Discussion Group over on Facebook. How would you cast Monday Night Raw and... Friday night Smackdown. I mean, cause really that's what we're looking at here. Who would you be? Who would be the six guys that you would build Smackdown around going into the Fox deal? And then who are you going to have on what was the flagship, but now is going to quickly become the B show over on Monday night
3: raw. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store and download the 12-week Resistance Fan Training Program.
0: This is the bad boy, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Tama Tonga, and you're listening that whole ass off ass Gorilla tactics is time for warfare. Yo, we came to battle. Yo, we
1: aim to kill. Alright, Rick. So let's let's talk a little bit of uh WWE Blood Money. Uh first of all, uh, for those listening to us for the first time, this is what I've been calling Crown Jewel since uh yeah, yeah, I'm on that train here. Um Rick, the first question that I had on here was, where's it going to be? Because it had seemed as though the State Department had stepped in and told WWE, you're not going to Saudi Arabia. And then today, we heard differently from the company
2: themselves. Yeah, really interesting how the news from the company actually broke. And we've got to give a, a huge shout out. Hey, this news was actually... Was uncovered by uh, our very own William Alicia who is a colleague of ours over on ha- in the Hammy Media Group, uh, who helps out with our social media at, in the uh, Hammy Media discussion group on Facebook. Uh, Will's also um, a correspondent for IndieProWrestling.com, so he's all over the place. But it was interesting where he found this this actually came from a corporate statement had nothing to kind of do with the wrestling side. It wasn't an official announcement. Yeah. But yeah, they pretty much came out and cut to the chase and they got real with people and gave the reason why, why they've decided to move forward in Saudi Arabia.
1: WWE has operated in the Middle East for nearly 20 years and has developed a sizable and dedicated fan base. Considering the heinous crime committed at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, the company faced a very difficult decision as it relates to its event scheduled on November 2nd in Riyadh. Similar to other U.S.-based companies who plan to continue operations in Saudi Arabia, the company has decided to uphold its contractual obligations to the General Sports Authority and stage the event. Full year 2018 guidance is predicted on the staging of Radia event as scheduled. Uh, corporate.wwe.com. That is the quote. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this thing is received amongst fans and the media. I, I've heard both reports from Monday and Tuesday that every time the crown jewel logo was showed on the Trons, basically the Trons were booed. Uh, people are not very happy about this event. I understand all of it from a corporate side, uh, but I, I feel like them using their defense being, well, McDonald's didn't close down. There, there's a McDonald's in Saudi Arabia and they didn't close that. Well, it's not exactly the same thing. This isn't a company that's running seven days a week in Saudi Arabia. This is a company going over there to do a one-off. And uh, yeah, there are an awful lot of companies that have pulled out of a awful lot of big money deals here rick you're sitting there rubbing your eyes i know that you're on board you're in favor of taking all the saudi blood money go ahead and
2: hit them with it i was gonna say you know i I, i'll speak to you know the fans that are kind of opposing this and some of just i just could throw it out there some of the you know the the ignorant remarks towards wwe's decision to stay there like like you you put together a a productive counter argument against WWE. You, you, you thought it through. You actually have some logic behind it, but we've just got just some, just some idiots throwing things against the wall here. But me personally, you're right now I'm going to stick by WWE and its decision to push forward with the show. With the show is planned. Uh, and this statement here, what do you just read off? I much rather prefer this to the other PC fluff that we've been hearing from the talent and other company representatives. Uh, over the weeks here, the reality is, you know, I've, I've I've got a 20, hell, 20 plus years marketing experience, and I know sometimes you get to the point where you need to cut straight, straight to the core uh, of the issue. You, you need to come out and just say, you know, give the tr- a, a basic truth, and that's what this statement does here. They they are hevi- they are heavily reliant on the revenue that this is going to generate. This is factored into the success of the company in 2018. They need this thing. I stay with the company. Go ahead, get through this show, albeit with your head down, still get through this show and then re-evaluate where you are at in this deal.
1: We'll, uh, we'll, we'll revisit this topic a little bit uh, when we talk a little bit about evolution because uh, there's been some reports coming out from behind the scenes regarding uh the viewpoint on evolution and i think that all ties in directly to saudi blood money uh so let's let's step aside from the politics part of it here for a second there is still reports out there that talent are refusing to go to saudi arabia and two of the main talents that are refusing to go are john cena and daniel bryan although both are still being advertised for the event rick what do you make of either of these two do you do you really think that either one of these two are going to refuse the Saudi blood money
2: I think ultimately that they'll be convinced to you know to take part in this show and and obviously you can put a twist either direction why you know why they should be there why it's best to kind of refuse to to make the trip over to perform in front of that audience and to me if WWE has honestly put out there the option for their talents for those that that feel strong strong enough against it that they don't want to participate in this show then that's that's on that's on them that is a personal decision for for them to make now on the flip side of that though is this though is this a a major corporation giving you giving them the lip service are they, are they just kind of talking to their mouth oh yeah sure it's okay to do this what but what could be the ramifications For other, I mean, obviously, you've got two top names. Uh, John Cena, obviously, at this point in his career, could care less right now. Well, I think of the
1: two, of the two, John Cena is the one that I absolutely see saying, "Nope, I ain't doing this because I have to protect my brand at this point."
2: Well, at this point, you know, Cena, he is worried about that brand. He has got everything else going on. He has got a a new career on the horizon. That you know, the wrong move right now could cost him. You know, like a breakthrough role in a movie. The wrong, the wrong move
1: could cost him a hell of a lot more than he's going to make taking the Saudi blood money.
2: Right, he is someone that it stands that he could this could backfire on him, and he could use a lot. I wonder how much he is talking with The Rock right now.
1: Well, and The Rock is making some uh, headlines as well as he went at a reporter who was being an absolute douchebag and like pulled up some posts from when The Rock met the uh, Saudi prince over there and had dinner with him and all this other stuff. And this was months ago, months and months and months ago. And The Rock had put up a post on Instagram, you know, thanking the Saudi prince. And this dirtbag reporter goes through his Instagram and digs up this post and now wants The Rock to take down the post and apologize for it. And Rock kind of went at him on Twitter, which I think the reporter absolutely deserved um, this shit of going through people's past and digging up what they said about whatever years ago when circumstances have completely changed all the way around is that's not reporting. That's just being a douchebag. <laughs>
2: Uh, so South Park dude, was a douche of the year, du- douche of the uh, century, or whatever. Yes, douche
1: of the century. That that guy yes. is absolutely in the running. He's such a douche. I ain't even going to put over what his goddamn name is. Of you know, course, hey, maybe I don't remember it too.
2: But you know, hey, that, that, that is our first category for our. Uh, we didn't do one in our first year of production. But we got to have one this year. Our end of the year hitting the marks. Pro wrestling podcast best of the year awards. So that, that that could be our first our first category. That, i like it i like it there we go we've got our first category and our first nominee there but yeah you know back to the series hey and for brian we all know brian he just don't give a fuck
1: well the thing the thing that's interesting about brian and i i, I have to try to take my emotional response out of this uh and just look at it from a business perspective i feel like there's two different narratives kind of going on here, because I feel like, you know, you have all these legends, you have the John Cena's, you have the Triple H's, the HBK's, Undertaker's, Kane's. They're in one category. They can get away with saying, no, fuck you. I'm not going because they're not going to be there Monday anyway. Right. And then you have talents like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan that are still full time talents. And, oh, yeah, you don't have to go, Brian, but, you know, don't expect that you're going to win the world championship at WrestleMania. You know, like, I I feel like that absolutely has to play into it here, a full time talent versus a returning legend talent. I, I don't think we can view them both the same way.
2: I completely agree with you. That is a tremendous point, Jogger, because some of the names that you just kind of listed, so they're going to have a little heat on them. When the show's over, they're just going to go home and wait for the check to show up. Exactly. It's not like
1: they have to deal with it Tuesday night on SmackDown.
2: Well, I know, you know, there's even been question, you know, for someone like Kane, who is in the political spotlight, you know, who, who has a a major political office. Not for long. (laughs) Well, I know I was thinking about this. Look where he's at. It is a, it is dominated by conservatives. It's a huge Republican area. And if you look at kind of the trends across the nation, people that are kind of nonchalant about this whole situation, it tends to be your conservatives. I don't think he's, getting, he's going to get a whole lot of heat for this thing.
1: I'm telling you what, man. If you are a Democrat and you are running against Glenn Jacobs for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, the next time that election comes up and you
2: don't win... You need to retire from politics. No, I no, if you would see the how they line up the political affiliation down there. I mean, it's it's a wonder that even Democrats even try to run. I mean, they literally have no chance down there. Oh, no chance you say? Yeah.
1: Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Um you know, aside from all of this, there is one talent that uh, has announced that he will be going to Saudi Arabia, that, Rick, this is the best thing ever. This is the greatest thing to ever happen in the WWE history. The real American Hulk Hogan... Yeah, let's send him over to Saudi Arabia. I hope he comes out there to that real American music, carrying his American flag, doing the whole gimmick. Yeah, I really hope that happens. I mean,
2: because what could possibly go wrong there, right? Oh man, he's coming out to N.W.O. music. You know what? I've also noticed you know the fans are jumping all over, all over this thing. Um, he never, there was like, oh, he's going to be a crown jewel. He never said crown jewel.
1: Well, this is this is great. We need Hogan on these kinds of shows because this is a show I'm not going to watch anyway because it's coming from dirty Saudi Arabia and their, all their dirty ass blood money. I ain't going to watch it because I actually have a conscience and a little bit of ethics. Um, but Hulk Hogan on this show is perfect because I'm not going to watch it. Like this is a great place for Hogan.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people are getting excited over this one. And to speak to the fans, they are kind of misjudging this here. I said I wanted to talk just to the fans overall on this thing. I've seen so many, oh, it doesn't matter. The sheep will, will follow WWE anywhere. Or WWE so evil and corrupt for doing this thing. And they're calling people that are, are, that are backing WWE, total WWE marks, are going to watch this. No, you really – these individuals don't understand the real situation at hand. They're, it's more than just about the programming and appeasing these – these mindless smarks, you know those individuals. They're they're the true ignorant ones in this whole matter. This is there's a much bigger picture here, so much more in the play. And hey, there's some there's some gruesome details about this whole situation, but we still don't know everything yet. So just like I said, WWE just get through this show and then reevaluate what the hell you got going on over there.
1: Yeah, I think they absolutely need to do that. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, the championship of the universe uh I think we're both just expecting that Braun Strowman's gonna win this title right like this this, or 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 is there a possibility that with Roman Reigns out Vince McMahon panics and just says god
2: damn it Brock we will give you five million a year I was gonna say you know hey maybe that's why they absolutely need this money yeah, they need, they need to just give
1: all this blood money to Brock Lesnar to keep him around and have him show up yeah. on television. When the
2: sports authority comes over with the checkbook, who do I make this out to? He just says, uh, yeah, just make it out to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah. And he I, just hands a check over to him. Is that a hey, possibility? Every, everyone sees it as a foregone conclusion that, that Braun takes this thing. But you're exactly right. We know how Vitz feels about Brock. There could be a panic mode here where he just wants to go back and reset everything, Put it back on what, he, you know, who he feels is his safety net there and just start over.
1: Well, and I mean, there's also, you know, maybe Vince is looking at this thing with Roman Reigns and he's like, OK, Roman's going to be out for about three years. So if I sign Brock Lesnar to this much money and I can keep him around for three years and then Roman comes back and then we'll just we'll, we'll start right where we left off. We'll put the shield back together and hit, there we go. That it'll, it'll, Everything will work.
2: Well, even, even if they do have Bronco over here, I still think there is, you know, concern within creative about how you protect Brock.
1: Yeah, I think there has to be. I think there has to be. Because, I mean, Brock Lesnar is one of the only draws that the WWE still has. Whenever they advertise Brock Lesnar is going to be on Raw tonight, they pop a rating.
2: And it pulls, it pulls eyes from other forms of media. Yep. Every time he he is a true draw. And even though he's going to leave for a little bit here, they still have plans for him going forward. They want to bring him back and to leave him. Now, you know, this would be two losses. They don't want to leave that taste in the fans mouth. They want to keep him looking strong. It'd be interesting. You know, if, and it's all likelihood that they're going to give this thing to Braun. but how are they going to protect Brock? Brock Lesnar has got to be pissed.
1: I mean, take all the the emotional stuff aside from this Roman Reigns thing, all right? This was supposed to be a triple threat match. Brock Lesnar was going to be able to, like, come out and take a nap at ringside for seven, eight minutes, and, you know, the match would go 12 minutes, and... Braun and Roman would be involved in the finish and Brock didn't have anything to worry about. Well, now this is a singles match with Braun Strowman and oh yeah, by the way, Brock and Braun don't like each other. I mean, I don't think that that's being talked about enough either. Brock and Braun genuinely, they don't like one
2: another. I, I still, I still vividly can just envision that, that moment where, where Braun seemingly took some liberties with Brock. yeah, And Brock just lit him up, and Braun's legs went straight rubber. Yeah, I remember that moment clear as day. That was fantastic. I mean, that was, don't fuck with the beast. Hey, top of the show, we were talking to over-unders. What's the over-under on the time on this thing? Dude, like I you said, I, I, I don't think Brock's going to want to come out here and go over uh, seven minutes. Well, God, and I mean, dude,
1: he's gonna have to take Braun Strowman to Suplex City. Holy shit! I mean, I hope Brock, I hope Brock is in ring shape because that's the thing. In even when I watched Brock Lesnar inside of the UFC, his last fight, it, when it got into those that like second half of the second round and then the third round, Brock was gassed. And it's, I don't see Brock Lesnar going in there and bumping for Braun Strowman. And I don't see Braun Strowman taking uh, like 15 suplexes from Brock Lesnar. Like, I, I think this might be a very, very quick match that either ends in a disqualification, a double count out something just to get out of it and move on and figure out what the hell we're going to do from here. Cause I don't see either one of these guys
2: selling for the other one. Yeah. I know you don't have much interest in the show, but you gotta have some interest on how they're going to handle this and how this match is going to play
1: out. I, I I'm, I'm very, very curious, but I'm still not going to watch it. Oh, I know, but it's be something that you're going to keep your eye on. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll read through it. You know, I mean, it, it's, that's definitely a more interesting match without Roman Reigns. That's for sure. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, not an interesting match whatsoever. As, uh, they're, 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 this is so freaking pro wrestling, man. Like, you know, we're going to do this tag team thing and oops, I accidentally hit you this week and oops, you accidentally hit me this week. which is doing the Usos absolutely zero favors at this point. The fact that, you know, yeah, the Usos have two wins here, but oh yeah, they were both by, you know, shenanigans on the other side. Um, Why can't this just be, I'm the WWE champion and you want to be the WWE champion and I respect the hell out of you, but you can't take this belt from me.
2: Why can't that just be the story that we're doing here? It it should be as simple as that. And, you know in, in professional wrestling yeah we love these over the top stories but this is a unique situation where you've got two extraordinary build up reputation for you know a decade plus where fans regard them as two of the absolute best in the world that's what this should be about we don't need and yeah like you were saying the the miscues in a tag match i mean that's best booking 101 i mean that's as old as professional wrestling uh, sports entertainment we you know, we've seen that Countless times But this you're exactly right Jared. This is a situation a circumstance where we Don't need those shenanigans This should be about respect and if You want to do something on, like, oh so maybe they're Thinking well how do we draw interest for this on television You have them go out there And try to Better each other against different Opponents in the ring uh, You know Brian goes out and, and Beats so and so one week well AJ Wants to you know let me have that guy this week I'm going to show you how it's really done I'll you know, it's kind of like a beat the clock kind of scenario where you're using your, your physical prowess to 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 up the other one, building to that point where it's just you two in the ring to actually see who is this this long term thought of best in the world.
1: The story to me is far more interesting if you do nothing but a video package and a backstage sit down interview. And I want Daniel Bryan to talk about what it would mean to him to once again win the WWE championship and put over the championship. And then I want to hear AJ Styles talk about how he is the longest reigning WWE champion in the history of SmackDown Live and put over some of the other people like JBL, like Eddie Guerrero, like Rey Mysterio that have held that championship and what it means to him and how he wants to hold on to that championship as long as he possibly can. Because, you know, oh, yeah, he's coming up on another record. That's maybe, you know, I don't know, 434 days as the WWE champion. I want to hear them put over the championship, not sit here and dick around and try to make this thing personal. Just put over the championship and what it means to be the WWE champion and the desire to be the WWE champion.
2: This is why this is the midcard championship of the world. Well, you know, now you're talking. Now you're talking absolutely crazy here, Jargo. You mean you're talking about bringing prestige back to uh, the WWE's hottest mid-card title? Yeah, I know. Heaven forbid, right? Just And it seems like the only guy who does that is Paul
1: Heyman. Like, Paul Heyman's promo on Raw was freaking masterful. Not only did he put over the Roman Reigns thing, he made the Braun Strowman and and Brock Lesnar fight feel like it was going to be a big fight, and he put over the Cursed Championship of the Universe. And yes, I'm really starting to think that championship is cursed. Look at the history of that title. The Universal Championship? I don't think
2: I want to hold that belt. (laughs) I was gonna say I didn't even think about the Universal Championship and and all the bad luck that's followed that. I was thinking, stop putting the Shield back together. Yeah, that's another (laughs) one.
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ! What's
2: Oh my God! We got got the the Madden Curse going on here. Uh, Anything that's around that WWE Universal Championship,
1: maybe maybe it's just
2: time. Just time to retire that damn thing before you lose half the roster. Yeah, my God.
1: Uh, and then we have to bring back more guys like this. Let's talk about DX and uh the BOD. That's right. I've labeled them the BOD. Undertaker and
2: Kane. Um I dude, I, I still every time you put us on a run like this, DX BOD, I immediately I'm thinking of like the the newest Axe body spray. <laughs> fantastic uh so you you had what, the what promo would that smell like
1: <laughs> i don't think i want to know what that would smell like it would smell like dead people and hookers and and oh man god when you start thinking about you know all the things that you know undertaker and kane have done to people and then you combine that with all of the uh debauchery that Degeneration generation X has been involved with over the years, that is one body spray I do not want to smell. So you had uh, the the promo on Monday night, which was awful. Um, I I, I don't even know what else to say about it. The Undertaker and Kane thing with the tombstones and the the mood in the room, it just felt poorly mistimed. I mean, it it was just a video package. You could have ran that next week. Uh, That was one that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. As far as the DX aspect of it, the only thing that I thought was interesting was Triple H and him talking about how there's another X that they represent. And then a little NXT chant broke out and everybody was like, oh yeah, that's what's going on. Oh yeah, they're also training the new generation, right? And then I'm watching NXT on Wednesday and Adam Cole kicking off the show says that we are going to get people to fear NXT because we, talking about the Undisputed Era, are nxt and i'm looking at the undisputed era and i'm looking at you know adam cole and bobby fish and kyle o'reilly and roderick strong and i'm thinking oh shit that's a survivor series team combined with the triple h promo i am 100 percent convinced hashtag under siege 2 is going to be nxt invading the main roster with triple h and Shawn michaels leading the way
2: well, I was, I was going to tell you we were talking about this a little bit before we went on air, and I, I know this. I mean, we're going to dive more into this uh, in future programs, I'm sure, because I, there's this itself could take up you know uh, an entire segment. The potential, the possibilities here. What most intrigues me about you know a potential anything with NXT and the red and the blue. Again, it's going to create um, a, a compelling, a compelling story arc where. Well, you're going you're gonna to create a great divide, and you're going to fire fans up on both sides of the fence there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, that, I think that'll be cool. I think that'll be cool. Uh, my only thing is, is if it's going to be Undisputed Era versus a bunch of guys from the main roster, we're going to have to find all of the smallest guys on the main roster to make up that team, because ain't nobody in the Undisputed Era very big.
2: Well I, as we had talked about though you know I asked which brand and you said it's just going to be you know possibly against Raw and Smackdown and and I told you I would prefer that they just focus on Smackdown
1: Well of course we had also heard that there was potential of DX doing a Survivor Series match with members of nxt this very well could be just the beginning of the build to that as well where you have triple h Shawn michaels and a couple members of nxt versus undertaker kane and i don't know if it would be other members of nxt or other legends
2: could be an interesting take uh, it's it's going to be uh interesting to watch the whole thing develop but I, mean, I think it's You know, if you get a lot of people been calling this for a while, they want to see some interaction between them. And I think if they're going to keep going with this kind of brand war dynamic at Survivor Series, this is going to be it's going to be a breath of fresh air, I guess, for for most fans. Not not so sure that, that that I want. Red and blue creative getting their hands on this thing. Uh, but it is going to be something different. As long as they handle it behind the scenes properly, you know, is age is making sure that he is heavily involved in how the NXT talent is, you know, is represented and presented to the main WWE universe. And I, I guess I can get on board with it.
1: If they want a more sports like presentation for SmackDown on Fridays, uh, what I would recommend is that NXT invade SmackDown. And somehow, some way, Triple H, both on screen and behind the scenes, takes over SmackDown. And SmackDown basically becomes two hours of NXT.
2: I would be down with that. And I kind of like, you know, that we've had that long, you know, that, that long running rumor that they wanted to do something between Triple H and Shane. I think that would be a eventual great payoff where Triple H actually just takes, takes the blue brand. And that's the direction they move in going forward for, you know, for what every from all reports seem to indicate what Fox is going to want from that program.
1: I like it. Let's talk about the SmackDown Six me and tag titles. Um, I, it seems like that is actually a thing now as we have the bar and the big show taking on all three members of the new day. Uh, I'm wondering if we're actually going to get a third belt introduced now. Uh, this is just stupid to me, man. This is just stupid. I we're, we're doing three on three matches for tag titles now. Well, I, this hasn't
2: been announced as a three on three, has it? Yeah, I thought it had. I'm pretty sure it has. Uh, I thought this was just a way, you know, trying to get Big Show kind of involved. They want him. They just want Big Show on the fucking Saudi show. Yeah, they, that's you know that audience wants him, and they're looking for an easy way to get him, get him involved there. And I'll be honest, with you, I was kind of. Uh, uh, intrigued by him joining them. I've always been kind of a, a fan of Big Show. Uh, it's not like this is like a hot program that's eating up a lot of airtime. It's just something we're getting uh, just kind of throughout the show. They get a couple minutes there. Uh, so and yeah, like you said, this is going to be a short-term kind of deal. No, it is not. It is not a six-man. It is a tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Uh, DeBar, Cesaro, and Sheamus with the Big Show. We'll be taking on two members of the New Day, with the third representing them as their corner man.
1: Okay, well then I guess I completely misunderstood whatever the hell the point of that segment was on SmackDown, other than trying to rebuild
2: the big show as a monster. Uh, that's all, And that's all it is. You're exactly right. This is a short-term deal. They know that they need to get show uh, on, on that show. I guess that's kind of weird. Show's got to be on the show.
1: Do you think the Saudis know that it's the Big Show, or do you think that the Saudis think that's Andre?
2: Well, kind of like when they uh, were—they ran out that sumo guy, just hoping that it would be similar enough to Yokozuna. Yep. That that it was passable. No, I think they know who he is, and also, you know, in their eyes, the professional wrestlers are still these larger-than-life beings. Uh, And, you know, just looking at him, you know, he screams in, you know, in their mind, what a professional wrestler is.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the World Cup, because uh, something happened Tuesday on Smackdown that popped me like crazy. All right. And I I, I guess I find humor in uh, other people's misery. Uh, Shane McMahon in the ring talking about this World Cup to crown the best in the world thing. And they hit him with a CM Punk chant. And I popped so hard because I knew it was just a matter of time. You can't keep saying to crown the best in the world, the best in the world, the best in the world, the best in the world. Okay, Phil, go ahead and have your moment. All right. Now back in the fucking closet with you. You're not worthy of being here. Uh, So... They hit him with the CM Punk chant, and and Shane McMahon gets this look of panic on his face like, Oh shit, this wasn't in the script. What do I do? What do I do? And I popped so fucking hard. It was great. But I did like Shane's response that, no, I don't think he's in the tournament. Um, now, I guess the the where I really wanted to take this uh, conversation, is there any chance, we talked about it with Brock Lesnar, that they could just throw a pile of money at cm punk and say please come back for like three years we need you
2: i don't i think there's zero chance i don't even think he's on their radar
1: it would be hilarious (laughs) that would be so fucking funny to me if they had to like overpay punk (laughs)
2: <laughs> because they were in trouble oh that would pop me so hard well i, I don't even think they get to i don't really think they i don't even think they get to a place where they think that he would be the savior for them especially with all the heat they are getting from the Smarks over you know like the Saudi thing and, and some of their other kind of you can completely just see right through it pr stunts for them to even make an offer like this if he would reject it and then that hits the sheets how bad does that make wwe look
1: oh that would be so great that would be so great oh i would laugh so hard man you are being a bitter dick today i am i am i'm a bitter dick today i am it's great so uh all right let's go ahead let's take a break uh, throw it over to uh, a little bit of a tune. We'll come back. We'll talk some D evolution and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll throw a couple more names into the hat for who could be the future face of the WWE. By the way, his name's Kenny Omega. And um, we'll talk a little bit of NXT, some New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then we'll go on home. It's another marathon show this week,
0: folks. It's a cause of nature. Can sing now. Who kills sadness? Stop the anger, stop the depression. That keeps us guessing now Who killed sadness? Stop the anger Stop our depression now. To so the same question we ask How do we get by In a world so cold can't you see me praying to a God that's forsaken me Living and dying
1: so we're back for segment two that was my band left for dead with our song before the madness good stuff yeah we used to kick ass actually the boys are getting back together this wednesday down in peoria i will not be in attendance unfortunately you know other obligations and stuff but i wish them the best i know they'll tear that freaking place down to the ground
2: so they, they couldn't come up with your asking
0: price
1: not enough blood money for not for enough. Jargo. Not enough blood money for the Jargo. Nope. Nope. But I wish them the best. Uh with the World Series and everything, man. We are just so busy at work. There's no way I could get a Wednesday off. Too much going on. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's let's talk some uh de-evolution. Uh actually, before we do that, I want I want to take a second here and, and really explain something that's really starting to piss me off. All right. We we we've been saying for years now that WWE should have an off season, you know, where they can just kind of rotate talent in and stuff. Well, now it seems as though we have one. Because between this damn Australian super showdown and Saudi Blood Money, and then the, the greatest Royal Rumble ever at the beginning of the year, how much of our damn creative and TV time has been taken up by these goddamn events that don't mean anything? Like, they just exist so far out the narrative. Here, a couple weeks ago on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, we were talking about the multiverse and there's Universe A, B, and C now. It seems like we've been in Universe C for about a quarter of the year. That's freaking irritating to me, too. It's not just that we're taking the Saudi blood money for this one show, it's that the Saudis basically have taken over the creative for the shows for, like, you know, a month ahead of time. That's what's really starting to piss well, I think me
2: off. I think the real issue here is. And there's there's two sides to this. You, you have so many fans that are, are wanting, you know, the old, you know, give us less so that we appreciate it more. But from the business aspect, I mean, how are you going to make up those dollars and cents? I mean, that they're, they're running these these big ticket shows, and sure, I mean, it's generating great revenue, which is. Hey, on that side of things, WWE is on the top of the game. I know the stock took a little bit of a hit, but the entire market is down right now. That is just a trend that you see um, e- each year in and out around October. It always dives around this time. And then you've got some other political factors to you know to kind of take into consideration there, why we're seeing such a dip. But overall, I mean, business standpoint is unbelievable. It's the best the company has ever been. But on the flip, you are right. You know, when we get to actually, you know, the programming and the in-ring presentation and everything, uh, it's a little over the top. It's just it's so much out there that it's beginning to turn off some of the consumers.
1: Let's talk about de-evolution. Of course, I'm talking about we're bringing back the Divas era. That seems like uh, that's kind of how this show has been booked. Uh, Rick, I guess the, the biggest disappointment for me this week on WWE television Is the fact that Evolution really didn't, neither one of these shows felt like a go home show for Evolution.
2: They they really didn't do a a whole lot here to, you know, through the weekly programming, the five hours they had there to to really excite people, to get them invested and geared up for, you know, this event that's just going to be happening over the weekend here
1: yeah we'll talk about that a little bit more here at well, the I, uh, end of the card
2: you, you know before we jump into the card here there is one thing so we're talking about hype now i had this i was going to bring this up a little bit later to show but this perfect time to, to kind of just slide this in yeah i do want to give them some credit I, I think some credit where they are promoting this thing properly um, I, I want to put over the. I don't know if you got to see this thing. It's the Road to Evolution special that they've been airing.
1: I saw that they did it, but I haven't seen the show yet. It, 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 is it on the network or was it only on oh, USA? No,
2: no it's, this is actually pretty good. You know, they're actually they're trying. They're reaching out. They're they're looking at different uh, sources, different platforms to to get eyes on this thing. Uh, obviously, yeah, it aired immediately after Raw on Monday. Uh, it's. Uh, which is on the USA network. And then it's actually, it's been running on the e-network at different times throughout the day.
1: Oh, I guess I didn't even know that.
2: And, and I, you know, I want to say, you know, a hat tip WWE production, you know, their production division here, they did a tremendous job uh putting together a nice 30 minute hype package. Uh, this thing has, this thing sells this event. It kind of gets you excited. It, it kind of just ties everything together and, you know, brings, the stories together kind of get you a little excited, a little interested, where you want to invest your time into this thing. And, and overall, I love the, the, the format, the formula in how it's presented. To me, I, I've said this every time I've watched this show. You know, I think to myself, and I've taken the social media to, to kind of express this this thing should replace how they handled all of their pre shows going forward. I like that.
1: Their production team is incredible, man. Um, it, it, we, right. we see it on a weekly basis. I mean, you, the production is second to none. But uh, some of the things that they're doing inside of the shows or not doing, like why wasn't the main event segment for either one of these shows hyping evolution?
2: Uh, yeah, especially on your go home here. It was just kind of in passing. When I kind of get, you know, on Raw, they, they did position – The contract signing, where they do have more viewers, where they know that drop-off is going to happen. So give them credit there. They did put it in in a key position on that show.
1: Well, I guess I'll go ahead and throw this in here. Uh, What
2: they they did on SmackDown, we're going to get to that, man. That was almost embarrassing.
1: Uh, I I guess I'll read you this article here By uh, Mike Killam over at ProWrestling.com It's Just a few days away from the first All-women's WWE pay-per-view event But one major criticism the company has faced Heading into the show Has been the booking of their television Leading up to the supposedly historic event While Evolution has been pushed hard In advertising on the network The go-home episodes of Raw and SmackDown Live Both this week ended with men's segments Heavily pushing the incredible incredibly controversial crown jewel event that may not happen as planned well now we know that it will be um when discussing the backstage reaction dave Meltzer noted on thursday morning's wrestling observer radio that while publicly it has been pushed as a historic event and it is to the extent that the wwe has taken 50 years to run an all women show the internal reaction is that evolution has never been viewed as a major show and this is the quote from dave melzer nobody saw it as a a big show. It was a way to get Stephanie to brag about something. It was a way to try to take the heat off of the women not going to Saudi Arabia. That's all. I was told that the fact that they put it at the Nassau Coliseum alone tells you that they didn't think it was that big of a deal. Nassau is considered one of the worst arenas in the country for them to try to get reactions. End quote. It was also noted that less than four days before showtime, there are still around 2,000 tickets remaining on the secondary market. The feeling is that scalpers rushed to scoop up tickets thinking Evolution was going to sell out quickly based on its historic appeal, but that hasn't happened. What's more, the entry level on the secondary market is currently incredibly low, with several upper deck tickets being sold for less than $10, which is absolutely unheard of. Uh, There are still hundreds of tickets on the floor remaining, many just $60 to $70, which is generally the entry price for the worst tickets in the building. So that's kind of how wwe has treated the show and i think it shows in their television product they have not presented this like it was a big show in any way shape or form but it's historic
2: wait you know the hip thing to do as always is to point the finger at wwe and kind of bash them over the head with the club and put the blame on them here but i'm gonna i want to twist it here a little bit let's look at this from a different perspective Marketing standpoint here. You've got you're running out here. Everyone is supposed to be, you know, so excited. They're so behind this women's movement. They, they want to help drive this force. And this is just a company. This is the fans. You hear this nonstop. How much people appreciate and love women's wrestling. But we we get that lip service from the fans all the time. So if you're WWE, you're sitting back you've been giving more and more and more of what you think that, that these fans want, what they're, what they're craving, what they're demanding. You want something out there like evolution. I'm not going to compare it to, you know, I, I do hospitality marketing. I work with a lot of bars and restaurants. If WWE's sitting back there and they think they've got a product that there is a, a great desire from the consumers that, that they're, they're just going to jump all over this thing. I'm going to compare to something, you know what, that I don't ever have to market. I do very little to push bud products because I know that they're going to sell. I know it is a reliable source of revenue for whoever I'm representing. On the flip of that, you know, if we get a specialty beer and we've got some new crafts coming in. People aren't as familiar with those or they don't know those flavors. You have to make more of an effort to push those things is where you would see maybe like the the Saudi show. That is a hot topic that's a little controversial. You need to kind of sway people in that direction. You know, WWE might have thought, hey, we've got we've got got gold here with the women. People are going to line up for this thing. It doesn't need so much focus because it's going to move and sell itself. As you go to the Nassau Coliseum, you said it was historically one of the worst areas. Well, hey, if you know that it's going to be that way, but you've got a product that you feel people are just going to flock towards, then maybe you're trying to boost your presence in that area. You're going to use the women to kind of lift what historically has been a bad arena to run in. And the problem here is it sounds like all these people that were providing that lip service that, that want to, to praise the women's movement that are on this, the PC bandwagon, all of these snowflakes out there that want to act like, you know, everything has to be this equal playing field. And there is no difference between the sexes and how, you know, their, their abilities in the ring and what their contributions are. I would say maybe it's on them, you know, they're not stepping up to the game and they're, they're exposing themselves for fraud. I did see that
1: there is talks of a one hour, all women's show in the works which doesn't surprise me i think it's long overdue given the talent roster that they have
2: as it stands right now um, my like, concern there is we've, we've got so much programming now i mean you have to cut something and now they're even talking about with these tiers of showing live events
1: do they want you to watch nothing but wwe 24 hours a day seven days a week that's what they want and it's, well, uh, I, it's up to you as a fan to draw the line, kind of like I, I do with 205, you know? I
2: don't I don't really think that's necessarily what they want. Yeah, I'm sure in a perfect world, they're thinking, yeah, you know, we're trying to give you as much content as we possibly can to keep you viewing for as long as you will. But again, you know, this is kind of like a menu. When you're a restaurant like that, you don't necessarily go there for everything they offer. There, there are certain things you're going for where you're kind of a la carte off of, off of the thing. They're just trying. They're trying to feed every niche right now.
1: Well, the other thing is too. What are the odds that this ends up on an FS1? Maybe this is part of the Fox deal, and they're just trying to
2: produce more content. That's, well, hey, hey, that's that's another point, great point, Jargo. I mean, with these new contracts, what's the demand? How much are they going to have to produce? Yeah. Hey, you know you know who the real victims are here. People like you and I. Who the expectations are rising for us That we have to watch all this shit And talk about
1: it I know uh, Jersey Mike I guess this is probably the, the, the Actually this is It's the final Jersey Mike segment Presented by Kleenex Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues
0: Now in prettier packages Sometimes a little change Can make a big difference Kleenex, softer, prettier
1: that's it. It's over. He ain't going to evolution. It's over. That's the last
2: time you'll hear it. Did yeah, it to well, yourself, he, man. Hey, in, in addition to the deal, in addition to the deal that we told him, if he was not in it, hey, 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 that little rant I just went on about people not living up to their end of the deal, people that were just feeding us lip service that really aren't big supporters of the women's movement, right here, the poster child, Jersey Mike, your last Jersey Mike segment on the Hitting March Pro Wrestling podcast, but also... Jersey, it is a little out of our hands. Our new contract with Last Word on Pro Wrestling—they uh, actually, in bold lettering, uh, they didn't even want mention of your name on this show anymore. Uh, we we had to go to bat for you, buddy. But they're the ones that pulled uh, pulled the cord on, on the segment.
1: Speaking of pulling the cord, I think I'm going to have this issue when I watch Evolution on Sunday where I'm going to want to pull the cord out of the audio on my television because it has now been announced that Renee Young is going to be your play-by-play commentator. Okay, I'm down with that. We got Beth Phoenix on color. Okay, absolutely, I'm down with that. She has done a great job on the May Young Classic this year and Paige on commentary. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to have to wear earplugs even with the mute button hit on my television television because there's no way I can listen to page for that long, man. There's no, way. Uh,
2: you know, I I don't know. I mean, there's nothing, nothing could be worse than going back to the first uh, women's Royal rumble with Stephanie McMahon out there.
1: Oh yeah. That was God awful too. That was, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, So let's, let's talk about Rousey and Nikki Bella this week. They had themselves a little contract signing and, and people talking smack and you know, this is the thing, man, where it's like, I can only suspend my disbelief so far. I think Nikki's performance has been fine. I think Rousey's performance has been fine. I think that the scripting has been fine. The problem is it's Ronda freaking Rousey. There's no way that this this super highly competitive person like Ronda Rousey is going to just stand there and wait for Nikki Bella to finish her statement. She would just knock her ass out, standing right there, done and over with. Rousey's not taking that shit. This is just not, we know Ronda Rousey's personality. It's been established for years and this just isn't it regardless of the
2: performance. I can't get into it. Well, I think you know what what kind of set the tone there, and they they made sure you know why Ronda would would hold back from taking care of business there is she opened up by giving her word uh, to convince Nikki to actually come down and step into the ring with her. It's just it's not Ronda Rousey. I I, I know, but we were arguing that last. How many people last week were arguing that you know her delivery towards towards Nikki when she called her out for sleeping her way to the top. We're like, well, that's that's not a baby face. So I think, I think WWE heard that and was trying to maybe backtrack a little bit, which, hey, I didn't have any problem with the way that she went at Nikki last week because anyone, it's like you said, anyone that has followed Rousey, that's who she is. I don't know where this, this idea came out that, that she has to be represented as, you know, this straight, proper baby when that's not Ronda. She's not Johnny Gargano.
1: Like, you know, like that's she's not Daniel Bryan. She is a bitch. Like best case scenario, she's Randy Orton as a baby face.
2: Right. Well, look, right when when they brought her in the comparisons, they wanted her to be a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin figure going forward for the women.
1: You think that Stone Cold Steve Austin would have just stood there and let The Rock talk shit about his mother? Hell no.
2: And I think that's hey, that's a creative letdown. I think they heard some of those complaints last week and they started backtracking and, and it didn't do her any favors here. Now, speaking about Nikki, did you see the story where she gave an interview somewhere where she put over that she hopes that the women's division can evolve? No pun intended uh, beyond promos where they bring up uh, individuals using their their sexuality or sex in general to get their way to the top. She's a delusional heel. I'm fine with it. No, I think this thing really, it came off. She wasn't really trying to put anything over here. I think it came out that she realized that that's how people really see her. And it hurt her feelings deep to the core. And she's out there trying to correct it. I got news for her. Dude, I wasn't talking about the Nikki Bella character.
1: I'm talking about Nikki Bella as a human (laughs) being. She's a delusional (laughs) heel.
2: I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just going to say, you know, to me, and I sent this over in, on Facebook and the how many media discussion group, man, that there's nothing wrong with using a relationship romantic or not, or other advantages, you know, to get ahead in life. We all do it. No one is a completely self-made person. You, you catch breaks through relationships, people that, you know, people that believe in you, they give you an edge. It's okay to do that. It's fine. But ultimately, Hey, and, but to, and Nikki's well. And Nikki's defense here, because a lot of people start bashing her. You know, she she, she gets some unjustified bashing sometimes. You know, sure, she had a relationship that gave her advantages in WWE, but she still had to make the most of what she was given. When given the ball, she ran with it. Uh, and the Bellas have done a great job, you know, getting themselves over as, as crossover stars.
1: Yeah, here's my thing. It's it's all bullshit. And and I I feel like anybody who thinks about this for about three seconds realizes that it's bullshit. The Bellas were a big deal long before they started sleeping with John Cena and Daniel Bryan. I mean, like the timelines just, they don't match up. The Bellas were a big deal long before they started sleeping with these talents. They they didn't have to sleep their way to the top. They were already there. And then they just happened to start sleeping with the top of the men's roster
2: because great hangs out with great i mean well, that's hey, just how it works I, I guess you can make an argument as well you know they were starting they were already starting with that crossover appeal cena was eyeing breaking away from wrestling hey maybe that was a little bit of his out yeah absolutely you know great grab on to uh to nikki's green train just you know to start meeting those those c-listers and start moving up from there yep. and speaking of the bellas we were talking about promotion for this show, promotion for WWE in general, you don't see this very often. Uh, Friday evening, which I guess is is today with with our airtime, they're going to be on uh, the Jimmy Fallon show, you know, talking about what they got going on and putting over this event. Hmm.
1: Interesting. I hope they're in character, because otherwise that will just piss me off, and you'll hear about it Monday in the locker room. Like, um, like literally. Like, literally. Uh, Rousey's This can't be a 50-50 match, right? Like, Rousey's going to destroy Nikki Bella,
2: right? Going going back to last week's show, when you pitched, and it made great sense to me. I loved it at the time. You know, a reason why Nikki could win this thing, you know, to actually build towards a bigger program, bigger and better things that would involve Baszler versus Rousey. You know, we haven't a week to really think about it. I'm okay I would love to see at the end of the show that that standoff between Baszler and and Rousey. But the more I think about it, I love that image. But to get there, I just don't think that they can have Nikki win this thing.
1: Boo! I feel like I don't know. I feel like Baszler versus Rousey is bigger than the title. I don't feel like that needs the title.
2: But and, hey, I I thought of a way to tie this in though. This actually just came to me. You were talking about. You know, you're putting over NXT versus Raw, SmackDown, or both. Yep. I mean, I think that would be a great image, though. You at the end of that show, you got a stand, you got the standoff. Baszler sitting there holding that NXT title high in the air against Ronda standing there with that Raw women's championship.
1: That would be a swerve of swerves. Uh, Becky versus Charlotte, last woman standing. Uh, this week we had uh, the the standoff at the performance center, and you you talk about Shayna Baszler. Why in the hell was Shayna Baszler standing there listening to Charlotte Flair talk?
2: Like, As, hey, you know what though? She stayed true to herself. You know, even when Becky came over, she's just kind of just giving her this look like, who the fuck are you?
1: Yeah, like, but it it was just like, I'm standing there and I'm watching this and everybody's wearing the, the, they were like clones, man. Everybody's in the exact same outfits, you know, assembly line workers at their finest, you know, just moving on up. But it's like, there's zero reason Shayna Baszler should have been in that crowd. Uh, There's zero reason Bianca Belair should have been in that crowd. Like elevate your talent. You know, Dude, and, I, and, and you, we have both talked many times about how Hunter wants NXT viewed as a third brand and not developmental. No, they were treated like developmental.
2: Yeah, they, they were treated as the underlings here. And I got to put over something from uh, Wednesday's episode of the locker room, uh, as presented by the Hamin Media Group. It, you know, Billy Ray Valentine, he he throws out there these questions that that these girls were asking. You know how cheesy they were. And Strangler Steve, who's been there, who has been in training camps, has been around the greenest of the green, you know, Billy Ray was sitting there, he was laughing at it, man, this was so scripted so cheesy. Strangler Steve pretty much cleared up that in every group, there are legit fucking marks that will ask stupid questions like that.
1: Yeah, but you know, here was my problem. My biggest problem was the way that Charlotte was talking about stuff. And, and I know that this is how Charlotte was scripted. So it's not on her, but it's like, I don't want to hear Charlotte talk about introducing her character to the WWE universe. Like that, there's a million things you could say that wouldn't expose the business, but that's like the one thing that you could
2: say that does. Well, that's, you know, they, they talked about that too Wednesday in the locker room. And I think that's something that jumped out to everyone is ultimately that she's sitting there just overexposing things. They're, they're coming out saying, you know, that now we're this is where they're learning how to fake their way through this thing. And I guess, you know, just for our new listeners to make them, you know, hip to my gimmick, uh, she is known around these parts as RBV's precious Shar Shar. Uh, she is hands down my favorite superstar in WWE, one of my favorite wrestlers around the world. And you know what? God bless WWE. They have tried so hard with this program between these two. I, I think. You know, the ladies have done the best with what they're given here. But man, they are. This is a huge injustice that this entire program has just been a huge injustice to Charlotte Flair. They are, are just chopping her down at the knees.
1: This should be the main event. It's not going to be the main event, but this should be the main event. At least that's how I feel about it. Um, no I I guess let's uh well, I guess let's talk about Sasha Bailey, Natty and the Riot Squad. Let's get all the main roster stuff out of the way here. Um, I I I don't even know what to say about this. The fact that this match is going to happen like this and I know what I will say about this because we're doing this thing again that just pisses me off. Why are we using singles matches to set up six-man tag matches? We got everything freaking backwards. We did it
2: again this week on raw. What well, has to be backwards? Cause they use, they do the opposite in Japan. So when you're on the opposite side of the world, you do the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I can get behind that logic. You know, you know like the were all a different way, in different hemispheres, things like that. Uh, this thing right here, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this thing. It's, it's been dragging out for whatever their payoff is going to be here for so long. Uh, it's, I I know it's on the main show. It just screams right now. uh, This is, you know, the piss break, the cigarette break, whatever you got to do. This is this match here. I'm sure they have got something that they want to go forward with, but I just don't think anyone cares as, as invested in this thing at this point.
1: So disappointing. So disappointing the way that all really... All six of these women are being used for this show. Uh, let's let's talk about Trish and Lita versus Alexa Bliss and Mickey James, or maybe Alicia Fox and Mickey James, uh, because it seems that Alexa Bliss may be going through some concussion protocols after having her nose broken. Um, I don't know, man. I, this isn't doing anything for me either.
2: Yeah, this this again. This falls on creative. This has just been bad creative, bad writing, uh, giving them bad promos all around. I think if Bliss is able to go, there's it's going to take a lot to stop her from being in this match. And again, if they want any success, it, it's she's going to have to be there. It's it's a deal breaker.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about some of the undercard here, because this is actually the reason that I am excited to watch this show are these three matches right here. Kyrie Sane taking on Shayna Baszler for your NXT championship. Uh, Rick, I know last week we were talking about uh, some of the promo packages leading up to this thing and uh, the presentation of them. Have you had a chance to go back and see any of it yet?
2: Yeah, I actually I got caught up on everything. You're exactly right. This is how they should be building a program. This thing is exciting. People are excited for it. Uh, This is going to be one hell of an outing.
1: I'm really looking forward to this match. of Baszler's case, Kyrie Sane didn't beat me. I beat myself when I screwed up, and it ain't going to happen again. I'm really looking forward to this thing, man. Baszler is just operating at a different level compared to the rest of the women down inside of NXT right now, which tells me it's time to get her ass on the main roster. And I think she would be a breath of fresh air into the women's division all the way around at this point, because her promo style and the legitimacy and how she is presented is just fantastic. It's authentic. She feels real, which is something that we saw out of Roman Reigns, Monday, why can't we have that guy all the time? That was the best promo of Roman's life. You know, don't script him. Just let him go out there and do his thing. He was relatable. He was likable. Baszler's intimidating. She's a bitch. There's something authentic about that. And when you see these crazy promos with this ridiculous verbiage, it just takes away all the authenticity. That's why people got behind Daniel Bryan, because he feels authentic.
2: Just, just wait till Baszler gets to uh Roller SmackDown, and within a year, she's doing. Um, she's stuck in an angle, program where her and Mandy Rose are going makeup shopping. Oh
1: Jesus
2: Christ!
1: Uh, here's another match that I'm really excited about. It's going to be Eo Shirai taking on Tony Storm in your Mae Young Classic 2018 final. I am really looking forward to this match. I uh, watched the semifinals this morning. Rick, I know you said you were going to catch at least some highlights. Did you have a chance
2: to check out the uh, semifinal matches? Man, you know, brother, I got, I got all caught up today. I told you it was all wrestling today. I made sure I was ahead of my work. So I did my homework. I, I usually binge watch these things, but I'm ahead of the game here. And I know this, you know, just, just wasn't you turning me on to this, just because we're going to dive into it here on the run. But I've noticed, hey, this is getting a lot of people excited for this show. This is catching a lot of eyes. There has been a a great buzz since this thing aired last night. People are really excited for this thing.
1: I think this is going to be a really good final. These two women know each other from working over in stardom. Uh, Well,
2: hey, you want to talk about this is a great spot, you know, to plug our new partners over, uh, you know, on the last last word on pro wrestling. They've got a great feature up right now. Talk about how this isn't just something here in the WWE universe. This is kind of, you know. The, the coming together of of years between these two. Yeah. Uh, a great climax, and, and what's been a, a rather thrilling series of matches.
1: Uh, and this, your two semifinals match, Io Shirai defeating Rhea Ripley in a really good match. Uh, Rhea Ripley is something special, man. Uh, she is just so freaking good and she was really good last year and she's very, very young, but the problem was she had no character. She had no direction that she was trying to go with her character. Well, now she's back this year and uh, she is one angry bitch. Uh, And she has done a fantastic job of playing that role. And the one that really stood out to me was last week when we had the unfortunate injury with Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley is in the ring. Tegan Knox is working basically on a broken leg and Rhea Ripley, who, you know, has to be incredibly concerned for this girl still plays that egotistical cocky. I don't give a fuck heel throughout the entirety of the match and through her exit. It was great stuff. This match against Io Sheree, she almost showed eo res- Sheree some respect there at the beginning of the match, but yeah, not really. I really like what Rhea Ripley is doing. I think she's got a very bright future. I think she's only like 20, 21.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, she's getting it too. I know outside of the programming, outside of the ring. she She's even been, she's been hitting it She's been hitting all the marks on social media.
1: I like her taking some shots at your precious Sharsha.
2: I will say Shar-Shar, She went at Char-Char, uh about, you know, talking at the performance center. And she's like, all oh, it pretty much was blah, 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 blah.
1: I think that's a really good matchup, too, because, man, it really stands out, especially when you get her in the ring with somebody like Io Shirai. Just how big Rhea Ripley is. And she's only about Charlotte's size. You know, it's just there's a lot of these women that are 5'1", 5'2", 5'3". You get a six-footer in there, and they just look like a monster. But, man, the way that she just carries herself right now is fantastic. Like she's been hanging out with Pete Dunne. Um, and then you have Tony Storm taking on Miko Satamora, which was freaking incredible. I loved everything about that match. I mean, that was Japanese Joshi style at its finest.
2: Yeah, from what I saw, impressive match, and you know, again, these two matches—they've got people buzzing, uh, you know, getting excited for for Evolution. Hope we get to see some more Amico Satamora. I'm gonna say, you know, the thing—the matches coming into Evolution, uh, like I said, you know, they're, they're they're creating a buzz, but that is amongst a niche audience. I hope, hope that what we're seeing from the May Young Classic at NXT, I hope it gets the respect from those in attendance.
1: I do as well. Uh, it also seems as though Rhea Ripley. Uh, I mean, this has been stooged off. I mean, they're advertising it for the show, even though it hasn't aired as of yet. Rhea Ripley is defending the NXT UK Women's Championship at this show. Um, But on the Wikipedia listing and all the official listings that I can find, it says versus TBD. So I don't know which direction they're going to go here, because I had saw it stooged off that it was going to be Rhea Ripley taking on Isla Dawn, who we have seen in the Mae Young Classic and on NXT UK TV, Um, but now it still says TBD. So I'm wondering if it's going to be a winner of the Battle Royal, but I know you said that the winner of the Battle Royal is just owed a title shot. Is that just any title?
2: You know, I, going back, I don't know if they actually said what title. I think they just said a championship opportunity. So maybe that,
1: the winner of that faces off with Rhea Ripley?
2: Or maybe they got a, a little surprise for, for everybody. So I guess it's something we we'll have to tune in to see. Well, speaking of the Women's Battle
1: Royal, here is your official lineup of contestants at this point. You have Tamina, The Iconics, Ember Moon, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Asuka, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Carmella, Lana, Naomi, Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, Alundra Alundra Blaze, Ivory, Kelly Kelly, Maria Kanellis molly holly and recently added zelina vega rick this makes 40 women currently advertised for the show weren't they advertising
2: 50 women on hold the on. show hold on you've you laid out the run here I, I hate to do this to you man i hate to do this to you my brother but going through and counting what you had laid out here i got 47 women did you really i got 47 i wonder like were you like when you looked at iconics, did you count two
1: yeah probably
2: because I caught myself doing that too. A couple times, I had to go back, but I got forty-seven. So then, hey, and hey, you toss in Stephanie, a few female officials. Hey, they're easily covered, and plus you know that. Plus you know they're going to. Uh, there's gonna be a few surprises, some celebrity appearances. Hey, and it's marketing one hundred and one. You finagle the numbers. I'm
1: wondering if they are going to have any NXT women in that women's battle royal. Uh, I I feel like I. Like there's a couple of matches inside of NXT that I feel like should be happening at this show. Like I want to see Nikki Cross versus Bianca Belair on this
2: show. I think you've got there's so much going on right now. I just hate to to add more to it or it waters it down.
1: I feel like this is takeover women. I don't think this is going to be a very long show. I think this is going to be a two and a half, maybe three hour long show
2: hey, that's not a bad thing.
1: Nope, I'm all for that. Uh, Speaking of NXT, uh, we we had Mia Yim debuting this week on NXT TV. Speaking of the women's division and women that should be inside of that battle royal or getting some kind of rub and exposure at Evolution. She's absolutely killing it down there. Killed it through the Mae Young Classic. She probably had the best tournament of everybody other than uh, maybe Miko Satomura. Uh, But the big story coming out of NXT is Johnny Gargano has embraced his dark side and it seems as though johnny gargano has been revealed as the attacker of alistair black
2: yeah i don't know if this was a a, a big surprise to anybody Uh, maybe it was a little too obvious again i don't know if i'm really sold on the idea that nxt was the right time to to pull off a turn for gargano uh, unless obviously nxt is his ceiling that they don't see, you know, really anything great for him beyond this. Uh, but hey, I guess it, it's happened. As Gargano has embraced his dark side, maybe I guess we should just, you know, embrace the turn, take it for what it is, and enjoy the ride because you know it's going to be it's going to be entertaining.
1: Yeah, Alistair Black versus Johnny Gargano seems like that's going to be the match going down at War Games. It'll be very interesting to see how the crowd at Staples Center responds to that matchup. I expect it'll probably be a very 50-50 kind of split. LA isn't necessarily known as being the smarkiest crowd. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people like yourself that watch the takeovers live but don't necessarily watch the week-to-week TV and Johnny Gargano is going to come out there and people are going to treat him like Johnny Gargano.
2: That's kind of my fear at this point. Yeah, I definitely could see that going down. But, you know, going looking forward, though, I I am looking – Looking, looking towards uh, a reunion of of DIY from you know this this evil point of view.
1: An evil version of DIY with Champa running around with Goldie. Oh, that would be just great stuff. They may be that X that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, speaking of tag teams, let's uh, talk a little bit about New Japan Junior. World Tag League. Uh, Rick, we we haven't really necessarily been talking about it because the shows haven't been airing live on New Japan World. The matches are being uploaded on a delay, so you can go back and watch them if you wish, but not the full shows. Uh, However... October 26th, October 27th, and November 1st. All three of those events wrapping up Junior World Tag League will be available on New Japan World with English commentary. I assume it will be Kevin Kelly and the Rocky Romero on commentary. Uh, Currently, here are your standings. Bushi and Shingo representing Los Ingobernobles de Japón. It's six points. Rapungi 3K at six points. Canamaro and Desperano, your current champions, at four points. Ishimori and Eagles representing the Bullet Club at four points. Liger and Tiger at four. Kushida and Sabin RIP Alex Shelley at four. Volador Jr. and Saburano Jr. representing CMLL at two. ACH and the captain, Taguchi, also at two points. Rick,
2: have you been watching any of this? Uh, I've been trying to catch the highlights when I can, brother. I just say just look at the standing, what jumps out to me. It's got Liger and Tiger, who that great story coming into the tournament, having to make that climb, get back to where they need to be, still in striking distance.
1: Bushi and Shingo look dominant. Of course, I don't think it's necessarily fair that Shingo is being considered a junior heavyweight. He's a, he's a pretty big junior heavyweight. Uh, tournament's been all right. It's just, I don't know, man. Super junior tag wrestling doesn't do it for me the way that the singles division
2: does. Um, but What I, I'd say, too, is probably not doing it any favors that you're getting it on a delay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there, there's a lot that they can tell in the undercard story, like what we were getting with Okada and Tanahashi, that, of course, now we have no idea if there's anything like that going on. But... I kind of doubt it if the shows aren't airing live on New Japan World. Uh, the biggest news coming out of New Japan Pro Wrestling, well, I guess there's a, a couple of big stories coming out of New Japan, uh, the biggest of which would be Cody has left the club. At least that's the way it seems, according to his Twitter, him him taking to Twitter and saying, that's Thomas'
2: thing now. Well, it was a, uh, no, actually, the way he phrased it there, it was during a, a fan's Q&A. They could ask you whatever they, they, they wanted to. And I can't remember the exact question what, what brought the conversation up. Uh, someone asked him something, and he pretty much said, I'm not a member of Bullet Club anymore. That's, that's Jay's thing now.
1: Oh yeah, that's Jay's thing. That's what it was. Not that it's Thomas' thing. It's
2: Jay's thing. It, it, it said it's Jay's thing, and then another fan came back and called him out. and Said you're just working us. This is part of some grander scheme that you have going on. He said, "Hey, I, I'm not. I'm not shitting you here. You're paraphrasing. I'm not shitting you here. I had a great time with Four Club. It's time for me to move on to other things. They got great talent. They will be fine. But it does bring the question. It, it seems uh, so there's some other you know members of." Bullet Club, that maybe their participation at the big show, Wrestle Kingdom, might be in question. Uh, is this some kind of you know grand work, or are they truly moving on to uh, bigger and better things in, in their evolution, if you will?
1: Of course, we are talking about the Young Bucks, and here's the story that's kind of been announced. Uh, World Tag League has been announced. There's going to be 17 shows. There's going to be 16 teams participating in World Tag League this year. But it seems as though the Young Bucks are not booked and not being advertised for World Tag League. So I guess the question is: Are the Young Bucks even going to be at Wrestle Kingdom?
2: You know, do we get something bigger developing within Bullet Club that we're going to see play out there? I mean, we we already know, you know, Kenny is already tied up in the main event, the big match there. Uh, Presumably, we we've got White. And Okada in another marquee matchup. You know, where do the rest play out here? What's going to go on with them? Do we get some kind of big blow off war between uh, the, the factions within the faction? Or is this a sign that, hey, come January, they're not going to make the trip around the globe? Maybe they've already got plans down in Arizona. Hmm.
1: What's going on in Arizona? Huh.
2: Is, is, Spring uh, training.
1: Is it, oh, Maybe Harold has, like, a a spring residence there or something. Um, Let's talk about Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay not on any of these shows either, as it seems as though Ospreay has been injured. uh, This match coming here, gosh, it's got to be about, what, 10 days ago, two weeks ago now? And it doesn't sound like he's getting any better. Sounds like Ospreay and Walter had one hell of a war. There's been a lot of talk about Walter heading towards NXT very, very soon. But, Rick... I, I I've seen a couple of Walter matches. He's not necessarily my kind of flavor. He seems much more up your alley, but it seems to me a lot of guys that get into the ring with Walter have, uh, some kind of injury coming out of the match with Walter.
2: Yeah, I guess that's a, a great reason for concern. It says he's more of that, that throwback type, uh, one of the, the bruisers, but, I, I get, to, I guess you get to the point where, which, you know, when it's too much, too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, cause I mean, I've, I've seen guys come out of a match with Walter and their chests are purple. That's well, I was going say, you know,
2: like I know a little bit about his work. I, I can't, I don't want to like comment too much on it because I'm not overly familiar with him, but you're right. You know what I've seen from him. I mean, you talk about, you know, working stiff with somebody. Jesus.
1: Yeah. And I just I don't see any place for that inside of a WWE context. You know, you know, just, you know,
2: one that, you know, one that comes to mind that I remember is, you know, a match with him and Marty. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I, you started feeling for Marty during the damn thing. Like, come on, leave the little guy alone.
1: Yeah. And I, I, it's just I I have a hard time seeing that inside of I I see it more so inside of an NXT context where you're working on tape delayed television. But once you get up to WWE main roster, you can't be doing that shit 300 days a year. Come on. Doesn't work. I, and I, I don't know enough about the guy to know if there's anything more to him or not. Uh, here's another two guys who are, are kind of in that same league. Two guys who just like to beat the ever-loving piss out of one another. Uh, I can
2: watch these. I can watch these two go at it all oh, day, man. every day.
1: All day, every day, but I, I but I don't think I, they could do this 300 days a year. But, you know, they can do it once or twice a year, and they're going to do it a third time this year. It's going to be Tomohiro Ishii taking on Minoru Suzuki for the RPW Heavyweight title. That match has been announced officially for Power Struggle streaming live on New Japan World. I'm excited for this one. Dude, like you said, you get these two guys in a ring together, it doesn't matter if it's a six-man tag, if it's a 10-man tag, but my God, when you get it one-on-one, these two guys just will beat the ever-loving shit out of one another. And then they'll probably
2: go after the piss too. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one like you are, and I'm glad, I think it just, it's a nice little bonus here because uh, we see these two... You know if it's in tags or you know whatever it may be we see them quite often i I think it's it's gonna be a little refreshing and I, i love that they they're gonna spice it up a little bit by putting uh this championship on the line
1: my god i just hope they give them like you know 15 20 minutes and just let these guys go out there and just do what it is that they do uh huckleberry anything else that you wanted to put over from this week in the wonderful world of professional wrestling
2: I know we're running a little long, but some great conversation. So let's go ahead and uh, let's throw up that X and send this thing home.
1: So that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't as of yet, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com for all the killer content available daily from the likes of not only ourselves, but also the turnbuckle talk, Average Marks, Going Home with Ryan K. Bowman. There's all kinds of stuff going on over there at thegorillaposition.com. Then check out Hameen Media at where Rick and I will be reviewing Evolution this Monday over in the locker room. Also visit our newest distribution partners over at The Last Word on professional wrestling. Huckleberry, we are getting over! Yeah, that's what we're up to. Check out our Twitter at pod on Facebook at HittingTheMarks. Email us, hittingthemarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. How does your precious
2: Sharshar find you? Well, along with my precious Sharshar, old and new listeners can find me across all social media at the real RBV is always i encourage everyone to head over to facebook and join in on the awesome pro wrestling conversation in the homi media discussion group uh, up and running right now is the group's pick em challenge for wwe evolution test your wwe creative knowledge uh, and know-how uh, against some of the best fans from around the globe uh, also hey if you if you are a hospitality-based business owner or happen to know someone you know who is, uh, then encourage them to check out my independent marketing firm, Herd Marketing. You know, that's where uh, hey, we specialize in digital media management, business strategies, original design, much, much more. Hey, to find out what herd's all about, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash B dot herd. That's over on Facebook, backslash B-E dot h-e-r-d-d that's it for this week we'll talk
1: to you Monday at hackerhameen.podbean.com for now we're off like a prom dress see ya
0: watch your fingers label me yeah. don't give up. I'll back your bad guy. Made you made. My to i my know your motive. I know of your kind. Break the couples can go stuck getting down inside. Whoa! Situation is a classic cliche. You'll be tripping the blame on me. I smell self righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go. from my story, or no Dwell deep down, on the so cold Can't escape the wrath, on on a man with a righteous Never caught one across that line I'll never be that bad Guy I hate you I Hate you. I hate you. fuck you. Yeah. you Situation is a classic cliche You'll be trapping the blame on me I smell some righteousness That's the, righteous. the bad guy Go you Your bitch and I lie. She was at home she with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. <laughs> you know I you will know be